Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 100. We made it. We did. We did. We're back in the basement to talk about some more wrestling. I am your host, and with me, as always, my co-host and teenage son, Jack. Say hello, Jack. Hi. So, anything to say about making it to episode 100? Uh, four more in the two years, right? Because 52 that times That is how two. it works. So do, we, don't, we don't have to do anything special for that, do we? I, well, we could do something. I don't know. Because do you regret what we decided to do for the special one today? Yes, very much. <laughs> so much. So, yeah, we... Uh, a little something special coming up for any other wrestling business, sort special of. Special is the politest way to put it. Special, for sure. It was a special experience to uh, watch it and review it and talk about it. So Experience is putting it lightly. It is wrestling related, and we'll announce it when we get to any other wrestling business. And that way, if you want to pause it and watch what we watched before we talk about it, which I do not recommend. I doubt you will, um, unless you really hate yourself or... You want to uh, punish someone else to wronging you? Don't I mean, watch it. to be fair, it's quick. It's not very long. Uh, it by be, movie it, standards, so there's feel, a hint. Yeah, it's a movie. It is a movie. Um, or like, I don't know if you're really stupid and you like stupid stuff. Watch that, I guess. A wrestling-related movie. Yes. From the from the past, we decided to switch it up for episode 100 and uh, bring you something different in any other wrestling business. I'll still touch on Dominion for like a minute or two when we get there, but I haven't finished watching MLW Fusion. I started watching it, but I'm only halfway through it, so I won't be talking about that. Wait, which Dominion? New Japan. Ah. Not whatever you just said was also Dominion. Jurassic World. Right, not that. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I don't know. What's new for Banter this week? We, I guess we last, for episode 99, we talked about how we were going out to a garage band thing on the street sort of a street party and we did that it was pretty good the band yeah, was, cool. was the band was actually quite good i thought and played all stuff that i really liked so i don't know there was like some cure in there some black crows some i don't know what other bands they did a pearl jam song they did a whole bunch of good stuff and they sounded really good so yeah it was pretty fun just hung out in the literally standing in the street listening to a band play out of our friend's garage so mm-hmm. i had a good time yeah and then what have you been up to uh did you do anything this week? Did I? I don't um, know. You watched a movie yesterday. That doesn't sound like me. Uh, yeah. yeah, I watched a movie yesterday just because uh, they were at a dance thing or whatever. The yeah, little my 11-year-old son went to a a dance, I guess. It's put on by a youth center here in our hometown, and he got bored. He called at, like, it was from 7 to 10, and he texted me at 9.24 going, like, I'm bored. Can we come home? I think it was I'm just... surprised. <clears throat> He said he had fun for a while, but then the music got really boring, and I don't know. It was a lot of kids there when I dropped him off, so it was a new experience for him. I think those were around when I was in, but I was never really aware of them, and I, honestly, even if I was, I don't think I would have cared. Yeah, you're not the, I don't think you would have wanted to go. Your brother's a little bit more into that type of thing, so I don't know if he'll go again or not. He said he had fun, but then got bored, so I guess it's probably mm-hmm. a coin toss as to whether he goes. And then I guess we got Father's Day tomorrow, so happy Father's Day to any fathers out there. Um, I don't know what we're up to. I am, oh yeah, I'm going back to play a game of softball, which I haven't done since. On Father's Day? Since, yes, since rupturing oh, man. my Achilles. imagine if you injure yourself on Father's Day after yes. injuring yourself. Oh, that would so be a little bit, pretty funny. A little bit gun shy coming off an Achilles yeah. rupture, but that was many, many years ago now. But I don't know if I'll be like sprinting at all, because that was the issue, right? So yes. I may be just like running at medium speed for this team. So uh, yeah, I'm yeah. going to go. I'm a sub for them, so just whenever they Wait, need a player. why are you playing? I just told Sam and Richard that I would be... Is a... Richard on the team? Yes, and Sam. Oh. 
It's really? co-ed. Oh, okay. So okay. I just told them if they ever needed a sub, because I used to play a ton of baseball, right? I played it since I was you a did. little wee kid playing t-ball. Up um, until I was like six. And then, yeah. So I told them if they ever needed a sub, then I would do it. And they do. So I'm going to mm-hmm. do that tomorrow and hopefully not injure myself. No, that would be pretty bad time. That would be the bad timing part too. Right, in leading into summer, where I'm about to. Oh, that would, that's true. We didn't have a pool last time. No. Uh, oh yeah, I wouldn't be able to swim or at all with yeah, my cast that's and stuff. True. On. Wow, so that that would be interesting. Here's hoping I don't get injured. But yeah. yeah other than that, I don't know. We're, you're just about School's done. School's lining up. Yeah. You have two days next week, right? Monday, Tuesday. I think the 29th is a normal day, but I don't even know if like... it kind of is. But we don't expect you to go if you don't want to. If you do and you want to like see friends, right? If you want to go and see friends and stuff then go ahead but there's no exams at our high school again this semester so those days are just kind of to catch up on your work with your teacher so if you're caught up on your work you kind of get like another week off because no attendance is taken or anything that week so that's kind of cool for you yeah right so I, I don't know we've got a pretty beefy news section coming up I think right in our yeah, it, was a, it was a better week in our review uh, at the end, uh, we'll probably take a bit of time as well because I did a detailed summary of the thing that we watched that, that we thing. love so much that yep. we can relive. It's right. funny because I, I'll tell you, our plan was to watch it twice, right? Like I said, okay, buddy, we'll sit down and we'll watch it without taking any notes. Just watch it. We'll watch it, take notes again. And then watch it again and yeah. pause it. And we were just like, I sent you a text like, I do not want to watch um, this again. I don't think I ever want to touch it ever again. right so um but yeah we're building it up hopefully you guys enjoy us talking about it we just wanted to try something new and, and i know jack would look to springboard into reviewing more movies possibly oh, i so would love that yeah maybe we start with wrestling related ones every now and then and we go from there but anyways i reckon I wonder how many of those are are there would that oh we what? could watch hopton shog and says rock and roman reigns in it well yeah i, I mean like you've got one. like um ready to rumble right i told you with david arquette i think i mentioned it last Fighting week with my family i don't want to watch that actually there's also um the Wrestler, which is more of a serious, actually a really good film. Oh, Mickey Rourke. Yes, it's actually good. So it's like the... Maybe su- we watch that as a... Superstar wrestler who's sort of old and spit out the bottom of the wrestling industry court- sort of we thing. We kind of do, like, as that's the opposite of No Holds the Thing. <laughs> you just about... It's fine if you reveal it. People will probably guess at this point. There's only yeah. so many wrestling films. Um, but yeah, so... I say we get into talking about some wrestling news and rumors. What do you think? Yep. All right, so here they come. Some of the week's top wrestling news and rumors. To start out with the ratings, as we tend to do, this week's episode of NXT 2.0 drew 612,000 viewers, which is down 7%, earned a 0.12 in the key demographic, down 14%. And for the first time in a while, NXT was not going up against any playoff basketball or hockey. So I don't think these numbers are great. they were back to the millions, of course. Right. So it's not great that you don't have competition and your numbers go down, right? So again, I'm not watching the episode, but everything I heard and read was that it was not a very good episode. Shocking to hear. So their ratings down slightly. And really not good ratings for Dynamite either. They drew 761,000 viewers, which is down 19% and earned a 0.28 in the key demographic, which is down 17%. But unlike NXT this week, they did have competition from the NHL Finals game. So the numbers weren't great, but again, um, I think there's probably a decent crossover between some hockey fans and wrestling fans, and their priority would have been to watch the NHL Finals game. So their lower numbers make a little, bit, a little bit more sense. But yes, that would never be... <laughs> Imagine you going, yeah, let's not watch wrestling and watch hockey. What would it have to take... For that to happen 
how much money no holds barred too a blank check just like that <laughs> just like uh in the movie we're gonna review where you get the blank check and you just fill it in for what ah, you want yes. remember that scene i thought you were referring to the movie blank check no but the mo- in the movie we are gonna review there was a blank check scene in Twas. it which apparently um our hero actually like choked the guy with shoving it in his mouth Anyways, we'll get to that, I guess. But, like uh, uh, Ted DiBiase with the money. Yes. So ratings down a little bit for both. Uh, what do you have for us? There's lots of news this week. And the most interesting news of the week, undoubtedly, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar in <laughs> last man standing match is set for SummerSlam. So that's super interesting. Um, reportedly, they decided to bring back Brock when it was clear Randy Orton would miss SummerSlam, which all but confirms it would have been Orton versus Reigns. SummerSlam as the plan A, so this is always going to be a lose-lose situation. Right. The way I see it. Yeah. Because I'm definitely itching to see Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns again. None of it feels fresh, right? Like, no. it just feels like these are guys that have been around forever and have wrestled each other a million times. I don't and... even think Roman Reigns and Randy Orton have wrestled like a million times. I know they have before, but I don't think they have a million times. But even then, that just doesn't sound interesting in the slightest. No, it's not. I know that's like a huge match, whatever, but it doesn't really... Especially with Orton having worked tag stuff for a while. It's not even like he's being primed for a... Right. Like, he's been doing the RK Bro thing, which I think is better for him now. But again, they don't know how to create any new stars, so they have to keep going back. They either they have Brock, they have Roman, they have Randy Orton that they can heat up when they want to. McIntyre, I guess. McIntyre, maybe. And, like, I feel like at some point they'll just throw, throw Sheamus back in there because... Why not? Who else do they have, right? I so. think... Um, it's just such a stale, stale product and no creativity in their storylines or their writing. Like sometimes the in-ring stuff is really good. Like the pay-per-views have been completely watchable um, as long as you're not watching any of the weekly stuff leading up to it. Right. Like if you just, I think it's kind of how it shouldn't be. Right. Right. I think we've sort of settled into the best way to take in WWE main roster is ignore all of it. And and then just the pay-per-views. Except the highlight, except the highlight package. Not excluding them like accepting them as i mean like and then watch yeah. those to like because then even when i watch the pay-per-view the annoying like recap packages ahead of the matches are actually useful to me right because right. i i listen to podcasts that i really like reviewing the main roster shows but that's but still it. it helps to like and i'm know. only paying half attention i saw someone say that like they think this is where the money in the bank cashing goes because that's kind of your caveat to ha- take it off roman reigns and right. not have lesnar take it um which Seth Rollins is qualified for Money in the Bank. Yeah, and Cody That's being all I'm Cody being out obviously hurts them a yeah, lot. Yeah, clearly what, was the plan. Here's what you do: I'm gonna throw them another bone, and they're not gonna do it. Right. Um, Rollins wins Money in the Bank again. Yay! Um, cashes in at SummerSlam after Roman retains. Um, then Roman can take a break without hogging the belts. Rollins can have the belts for however long. Um, and then until like Mania. Rhodes wins the Rumble. You build that feud. Cody takes the titles next year. Blah, 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 blah. Could be. And then if they really still want to do Roman Reigns versus Brock, that doesn't need the titles attached. So you Ugh. could still do that if they really want to. Another I match s- I don't I want. They'd want to do that. It just seems like they would. Yeah, there's, there's very few options at top of the card for that company yeah. right now. And that's their own fault, right? There's nobody to blame but themselves for just not. I feel like a last man standing match almost makes it less interesting because it's just like uh, it depends on who's in, in a last man standing match whether I like it or not. I find like, them kind of boring, right? It's just like it any... depends because like the like for example the last one we saw was the Texas Death Match, which was Hangman Adam Cole. Which yeah, that was fun. Basically, last, like yeah, so it, that it over depends, right? Huge, yes. So for me, like I don't really want them in a last man standing match. It, no, it does depend. Yep, I guess so. Uh, I guess the big, big news, like I know you were being sarcastic saying you were talking about the biggest story, but the big one is Vince is in trouble, right? Um, 
basically, in a nutshell, there's been a report of some cash settlements tied to numerous non-disclosure agreements with former female employees, all alleging misconduct by WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon, as, <gasps> as no. well as Head of Talent Relations, and isn't it stepdad of the Bellas, uh, John <laughs> Laurinaitis. So the one in particular is basically that uh, one, I forget her role, but one female employee's salary was $100,000 and became doubled when she entered a, what do they call it, an intimate relationship with Vince. Right, so is I he mean, not married. Like, does is Linda just like? I think they are still technically married, but not they, actually. I saw together, something that they haven't lived together right. in like however long, which I think that's super odd. I mean, it's pretty clear Vince McMahon is a horrible monster, which is one of the reasons I don't love supporting the product at all. He is basically one of those. He just does what he wants when he wants, and believes that his power and money and whatever will get him out of everything. Um, so he has, what has this led to, right? Springboarded into other stories, which is Vince is stepping away as CEO. Yeah. Um, and who is replacing so, him? Yeah. Recently departed. One of the things <laughs> is the recently departed Stephanie McMahon who's taking a break is now coming in to replace Vince being installed as interim CEO slash chairwoman. So basically taking over his business for the time being until this blows over because obviously why take it how you're supposed to why not just wait for it to die out and then come back right like so, nothing happened and i've i've read somewhere that that's the signal by putting stephanie in charge is that is to opt for optics reasons to signal that vince will be coming back and because of course vince always assumes he will win all of these things right because he just has more money he can hire more lawyers he can just sue counter sue you into oblivion exactly the way trump does his thing right where just sue everybody involved in everything and you have more money than them you can outlast them nothing ever happens i have very little faith that any repercussions will come to Vince. It'll just be an inconvenience for him and cost him some money for a while, and then he'll be back as if right. nothing happened, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I was listening to Brandon Thurston on Post Wrestling. He does a lot of uh, stuff there, numbers-wise and things like that. And he was talking about, related to this, that um, 2.1 million shares of WWE stock were sold on Wednesday. So he notes that that is about 1.5 million more shares than trade on an average day. And I was talking to you about it earlier this week that that's a little bit suspicious because basically it's like if I own a whole bunch of stock in um, WWE and I get sort of tipped off that there's about to be a really negative announcement tomorrow morning and that the stock's going to drop and I might want to sell my stock before that happens, right? It kind of looks like that might be what happens, which is a crime, basically insider training, trading that you have information on a publicly traded company that... Uh, a normal person would not. You are not supposed to use that to influence any purchasing or selling of stocks. So it looks like a whole bunch right. more stock than normal shifted around just before this announcement was made, which seems a little bit suspicious. So lots of moving parts surrounding this. But basically, Vince and John Laurinaitis look to be in some trouble, and we'll see what this investigation gets us. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? Also, Vince decided to appear on SmackDown for some reason. I, I, but apparently, I, from what I saw this morning, because it was just happened last night, he did not address this he at not. all. He it just came just... out in character, didn't talk about any of this. Yeah, and I just saw a thing like backstage reactions range from confused to enraged regarding right. So him, his appearance there, which I thought I thought was such an odd choice. It didn't like. But this is the man's ego. He is now facing like allegations of sexual harassment and whatever else is going to come along with this. And he, what's his solution? I'm going to go on TV in character and just 
like boost ratings or whatever. Like he's basically, I think, using this as a ratings ploy because I'll bet you the ratings are just, good. Yeah, because he was just like in rating here. It was just like he he was just emphasizing the together element of right. Dirty's current like the then now forever together tagline thing. Like, you can't just like, blame me. It's all of us. It's all <laughs> of us. It's an entire culture of misogyny. Uh, one and current column would say. Uh, that it was tone deaf and embarrassing. Right. Like, you are a monster, and stories are coming out that you further evidence that you are a monster, and you look to springboard that into ratings, basically. Mm -hmm. Another right? one says, I'm happy it didn't last long, so I didn't have to sit through whatever BS he was going to say, which shows that he has no accountability, especially when something exactly. is directly his fault. He doesn't. Nope. He's he's now going to pawn this off Whoa. on other people. Nothing will really happen. This falls on from McMahon being said to have been in a great mood when arriving... Yeah. To the Friday taping, so I don't know if that's sarcastic, but I, oh, with the now former CEO joking around, nope. So it, he was perfectly happy. Yeah, he 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 is untouchable, right? He's ascended to a certain level in American society, in this capitalistic society, where he can't be touched because yep. he has more money and more lawyers and more anything than the rest of you. So if anything does come out of this, I would be surprised, pleasantly surprised, but I imagine. Yeah. It's just inconvenience nothing will come and it. nothing happens. Yeah. Right. Uh, other news that came out that is still, I sort of saw confirmation this morning, but I don't know if it's the most reliable source, um, that Sasha Banks has been released. I first saw that it was Raj Giri of Wrestling Inc. reported that she has been released. Um, other things I've heard is that her contract expires in a couple months anyways. So I don't know. Um, but again, I've Putting been... her under a policy thing as a... No, non-compete clause, that's what I mean. Right, so if they don't let the run out, then they basically there's 90 days, right, of no compete. So I don't know if it's true or not, but she and Naomi have not been seen for how long now? Has it been a month close to it, probably? Uh, something around that, yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't know. If she has been released, I imagine AEW would be tripping over themselves to sign her, right? She is a needle mover in the women's division, I think. Uh, I would like to see her in AEW just to see what they would do with her sort of thing. And they could definitely use some star power at the top of that division. We talk about it all the time. So I guess we'll see where that goes. Anything else? I've got one, two, three more. Um, yeah, so there was the, for Road Rager Dynamite, there was supposed to be the tag title out of match. Oh yeah, what happened? So Why didn't that happen? Two parts of this. Uh, Jeff Hardy got another DUI, which I'm not sure. It was something like it. it's his, I don't something in however many years i forget but and the legal limit is i was bad. telling you is 0 0.08 and he was at like a 0.237 or something like absolutely he got issues ridiculous. um before i touch on the second piece i like, this is just for the i don't know why they signed him he's not a good signing on his in-ring skills alone and let alone his outside issues like, i don't understand why they brought him just in just name recognition selling merchandise his but brother's there i feel like they Bottom have line. to be better than that like i would hope they would but i wouldn't put wwe not. above that because right of course they would but i'm surprised that wwe was the ones releasing him and AEW were the ones taking him right and and this guy i mean sure it's an illness addiction is an illness he had a rough life growing up or whatever so do whatever you need to do. But as soon as you are behind the wheel and putting other people at risk, you are now like a danger, a safety risk for society at large. And that's where I have a problem, right? And you want to get, he shows up like you want to get drunk off your face every night of the week. That's terrible and awful, but go ahead. That's your choice. Do not drive and put innocent people at risk. You are by all accounts, a millionaire 
a multimillionaire? Why are you not having someone, same I say about the Usos, have someone drive for you? In 2022, when you're frequenting urban areas, there is no reason for you to need to drive a vehicle other than you want to, right? right? And you are now driving a two ton weapon around completely smashed out of your mind putting people's lives at risk you want to drink yourself to death that sucks that's your choice don't get behind a wheel and put other people at risk that is my rant about him he has and this makes me even more angry because the original plan was for them to in fact win the tag titles was that yeah i didn't see that i saw that the original plan for for, was for them to win the tag titles so i find it funny that he's picked the perfect time to get a dui as and I'm happy with that because I don't think they should have. Me either. That that was a horrible decision. And I'm glad that. I mean, obviously, I don't, it's not going to be got you. I but I'm fine with the timing because I right. very much and clearly okay with the box winning. Clearly, AEW is like it's time to get this Christian Jungle Boy story moving forward, and we need the belts off of them for that. So I don't know why. Here I you are, young parties, bucks. Though, like I know that just. Uh, I'm so I'm okay with the so, end result. Like we we came so close to that. Oof. Right. Uh, what else do I have here? Another release: WWE superstar Troy Two Dimes Donovan, which I didn't even know. I was just calling him Two Dimes, was recently released from WWE due to quote a policy vol- uh, violation um, that early on was said not to be based on budget cuts or creative issues. Um, so I did find, I think it was this morning, that Dave Meltzer is now reporting it was, in fact, due to a failed drug test. So he is very new to NXT TV. I only saw him a bit before I stopped watching. He's one of Tony D'Angelo's goons sort of thing, young guys that's with him. So he has been released due to a failed drug test, but I guess basically they're kind of like clean yourself up and then there'll be a job here probably when you come back sort of thing. So another one, and it's funny because... He actually was on, not that I watched it, but I listened to a review already. He was on NXT 2.0 this week because it was a pre-recorded show. So he was released, but then on the actual TV program mm-hmm. this week. Anything else? I have one more. Um, Sting returned on Rampage. Yay. Yay. I honestly didn't really notice he was gone. But Me we're not the biggest um, Sting fans. And people were saying like, um, it was like, oh my God, Sting's back. And like, it was surprising. Like, A, didn't surprise me. B, he hasn't been gone that long. No, C, it's just, I didn't care. Honestly, like, I feel like he hasn't been gone any longer than we don't see some of the women wrestlers in AEW, right? Yeah. Like, are you going to tell me that when, <laughs> like, Bunny comes back on TV for a match, right? Because I feel like I haven't seen her in about the same amount of time. Nobody's going to care. It's not like a return. So I, I don't know. I, I don't really care. It's just like that was something newsworthy, I guess. And then they did the ankle thing to Bobby Fish, even though Kyler Riley was the one who took out Sting. Cause, sure. They did the what ankle thing? Like, cause um. What do you mean? Kyler Riley took out Sting's right. ankle. So, oh, so it was retribution. You know, it wasn't on Kyler Riley. They're like, oh, now Kyle, we're kind of pushing Kyler Riley now, so do it to Fish. Or instead. like, I guess they're saying a match. I swear. He's gonna work his way up to O'Reilly. I'm glad that the pay per view is done because I, I was gonna say uh, Sting and Darby versus. Red Dragon, a dollar, nothing. Nope. Nope. Not happening. Uh, my last item. Men of the year last year. Is that Randy Orton apparently has Fightful Select reporting this one, that he's been dealing with a back injury for a while now, and he is officially out, and speculation is that he may be out for the remainder of 2022, which would put him out for like half of the year, right? So, that I don't know. Is how the match I guess possibly good news out of that is maybe that leads to Riddle singles push. Not that they'll use him in any way that they should use him, but... It's already kind of gone up a bit good. with the title challenge right. he just had. Right. 
Um, but then immediately getting shoved to the background as Brock Lesnar returns for their millionth match. And ever. that's the example of, to me, Riddle is a guy that you could build him into a top tier star. Sure. No, I would love that. But he kind of, they're not going to let him work the style that's so unique of his, right? That is so, like that just where he's a million miles an hour stringing together a whole bunch of moves and just yeah, he's, being deceptively strong. he's really like strong. smooth moving yes. along the lines of swerve, a little different, but... Yes. Still, he's like he's got very fluid motion. But yeah. I don't think that style suits main roster. And his character's are tough because he's just kind of like the surfer stoner kid. I and think I don't know how it much they started out that. pretty bad with all the screwness stuff. But I think since RK Bro, actually, it's been like it looks like it's been better. Good. If that makes sense. Like it looks like less. Because I'm at all his promos, the backstage promos that he had were brutal. Yeah. They used to be so brutal. Right. Like, um, but I don't know. I think the fact that he's even getting two Roman Reigns once is is a start. Is a start. Yep. That that's good. Um, I don't know. I think he should get another crack at a mid card title at the very least because I think his reign was pretty short. It was like having him. I don't know. I guess not IC right now because I feel like Gunther is gonna have it for quite a while. No, and he's on Raw anyway, so he'd probably right. go after um. He's got the US title. Don't tell me. Austin Theory. There it was. That's right. He does. I actually forgot for a second. It is hard to remember. I actually just remember that. Oh, yeah. Finn Balor held the title. Yes. That's right. <laughs> what? You mean the leader of Judgment the, Day? No, there's no leaders anymore. Oh, sorry. That's right. See? That's right. They're all equal members. It already this. feels weird that yeah. um, Balor held the US title. It hasn't even been a year. I know. <laughs> He's an afterthought. It's like... <laughs> I just like... I totally Poor forgot about that. That's just... <laughs> he'd be a guy i'd love to see in AEW too yeah, although Bal- i keep saying they can't sign everybody but there's certain they can people take balor and then i'd like to him have. to do like the because i know Prin- i think prince devitt used the paint way more than balor mm-hmm. does so i'd like him to go devitt and then like for big matches you can just do the paint without the demon gimmick because i just i do like the demon gimmick but i would also like if he's doing prince devitt where you can just do the paint where whenever he wants right and then it looks cool you do like the paint do you like the paint plus i think AEW would knock the figures out of the park uh they might do you have any other news i'm done i do not all right well let's move into our first in-depth review every week and that is taking a look at aew dynamite um so we open with chris jericho versus ortiz hair versus hair indeed Uh, yeah and ortiz has the face paint he looked cool i thought yeah yeah i like them um, so action started right away with Ortiz on the attack and he went to close him for one count and he does like that plank splash he does or like a dead fish or That's something. Like, yeah, I called it a dead fish splash. I, I, it it's makes really me funny. laugh every time. And yeah. he just like pinned him like that from the middle rope for two. So that, that was kind of cool. Yep. Um, there's a suplex from the apron to the outside uh, by Jericho. That looked cool. pretty nasty. Nasty, I thought. Um, yeah, there's a Tower London, like that draping cutter by Ortiz for two. Mm-hmm. Um, Ortiz missed some corkscrew splash, which was kind of interesting. And then there was a code breaker by Jericho for near fall. Jericho got the walls of Jericho in until um, Ortiz got a rope break. There was a brawl between Jackson and Eddie Kingston, and then Santana and Wheeler Yuta came out for the assist. Uh, Kingston sneaks in the ring, hits a spinning back fist. Looked good. Hurricane, hurricane, I think. Yes. I can say it, but I don't know how to spell it. It looked good. Um, and Ortiz pins... Jericho for a near fall. He just shacks the ref and Fuego del Sol for some reason. I was very confused. Yeah, we were at first. Um, hits Ortiz with a baseball bat and Jericho gets the win. 
after Fuego and Mass, and it's actually Sammy Guevara, which you wouldn't really notice at first, but like you just kind of start to pick up on it. But yeah. like at first, like it's like pretty much. We noticed a split second before they, because I was like, yeah, that's definitely Guevara's body, not Fuego. I didn't even pick up on the body. I thought the body looked normal enough, and then I was more looking at his face. I was like, right, the smile gave it, it away I too. Can, I, I, that's kind of looking like not Fuego, and yeah. then I was like oh yes so we get the reveal mm -hmm. that it is sammy guevara yeah and then ortiz chops off his own hair and keeps shouting blood and guts after kingston said a few things and he just kept shouting blood and guts blood and guts as he keeps shaving and <laughs> kind of funny when he just like yells like in i like that lunatic. part too yeah. yeah i really like this match um i think it kind of over delivered for me the build wasn't super strong i thought ortiz in particular looked really good here as a singles guy um there definitely was a lot of moving parts, right? Like people running down, a lot of people involved, but which sometimes bugs me. But I think like at this point in Jericho's career, that might not be such a bad thing, right? Just to give him a break and we're not focusing on the, what is he, 50-ish year old man who's still trying to, trying to wrestle with the young guys in the ring. So I don't think that's a bad decision. The finish, like we said, had me a little bit confused. Like what the heck does Fuego have to do with this until we realized it was Sammy just before they unmasked him? I think um, I saw Fuego tweet or something like, you guys really like, right. and, like thought it was me. Like. <laughs> That's why we were like, what? What's going <laughs> on here? Um, I thought it'd be like Sammy sent Fuego in, but... How do you feel about Sammy being back with Jericho in Jazz? I think it does make sense with his current yeah. character. Um, I, I think that makes sense. I just like, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's, a little ra it's random, but it kind of, it seems logical. It is a bit random, and I thought that he and... Uh, Conti were a pretty good heel duo, but I also think, like we've been saying, right, um, Jazz definitely needs something to like energize it or change it up a little bit. So, in a way, I get the attempt here to add Sammy in, um, but it just seems like they're kind of pulling the plug on Sammy and Ty Conti as a, although she's still involved too, but now they're part of a, a larger group. So, I get what they're doing, I guess. We'll see how it works out. I, at the end, I, like you said, I really liked. Ortiz just grabbing the clippers and staring down Jericho and shaving his own head. And he actually um, cut himself doing it, right? So then he starts bleeding too. It's kind of like he's not going to give Jericho the satisfaction, right? Of right. like getting upset about it and trying to avoid it like heels generally do when they're about to get their hair cut. So he's just like, fine, I don't really care. I'll cut my own hair off right here in front of you. So and then you know what I mean? he came out later in a later segment. He was like, he was yep. buzz cut, yeah. And he looked absolutely nuts just yelling blood and guts to end the segment so i, know, I thought that was awesome i thought it was like overall just a very successful opening segment and a match that i liked better than i thought i would what about you yeah um, i don't think it was like particularly a hot opener but like um i thought it was pretty good yeah like it was better than i expected um i thought it was solid like uh i, I like that ortiz got a bit of body here because i think typically santana tends to shine um, I so agree. good for Ortiz here. I think it was good. I like some stuff that he does. Like the that splash is pretty funny. Yes, that Jericho is actually fine. He did all there wasn't yeah. any botches or anything crazy slow. No, so I won't fault him much. Um, I was super confused at the finish, but it makes sense now knowing that it's Guevara. Based on his recent heel gimmick, I do think it kind of makes sense. Um, I'm okay with it. Um, and uh, he can't challenge for the TNT title, right? And I don't see him going world title. No, so. Um, I guess it's something for him to do. Like uh, until Sky loses the title, like I think when Wardlow wins it, I think Guevara can do that. But I, don't, I think for the time being, he can't. Um, I figure if Blackpool Comic Club are still in the mix, you can have some bat, the same bat from a uh, Double or Nothing plus Yuta. So then that's right, six of them yep. versus uh six Jazz now. Yeah. So I guess it could be a six on six blood and guts. 
Um, Mox, Mox might have the interim title by then, but I don't know. He could still just do this and then kind of do whatever he's doing. Yeah, I guess to nitpick it, my criticism would be like, Sammy Guevara has been presenting himself as this super arrogant, right? Overconfident narcissist almost. And now he's joining a group where the whole point is you worship somebody else, right? Like, that's true. You're joining I mean, a it group. is Jericho, like, which he, yeah. he already kind of did that. Right. So I, that'd be my criticism. But, anyways, yeah, I thought a good opening. Good start to the show for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I guess, like, uh, do you think 12 people would be too much in a cage? It's or? a lot, especially with like the stuff. They're going to be just guys doing stuff all over the place in there. But I guess yeah. it might work. Yeah. Um, we'll I mean, see. anarchy, whatever arena anarchy that I wasn't sure was going to work. I ended up loving it. Right. So who knows? That, that, that's do. true. Yeah, yeah. I I did love that. Yeah. Um, There's a quick Wardlow Sterling slash Sterling in the plain tips package, which I thought was funny because it was like a. It's like a Law and Order style thing you or whatever. Missed, you missed the allusion of to it, uh, what it was alluding to, because oh, you're too young. Like a court thing. Pe- right? People's court, but it was like literally when I was a kid, it was um, people's court. So they played the theme and the whole style. It was basically a TV show where if you and I have like a small claims lawsuit against each other, we agree to go on TV and have it settled in this like fake kind of court, and that the decision will be binding, sort of thing. So they completely Wait, if it's fake. Then it's just like. You, it's not like a legal court because it's a TV show, but it's like we, we agree, okay, instead of going to actual court, we'll go on people's court and let Judge Wapner at that time, and then it became somebody else, I can't remember who, mm-hmm. um, decide for us. So they were just like basically an homage to that. It was the same music, mm-hmm. same style of everything as people's and court. And some court thing. Right. You're right. Um, so next we go World Over is the plaintiffs, 20 on one handicap elimination match, and they just go all in at once. They do like that spot where all of them attack them, and then Wardlow knocks them all down. Right. Um, got, then they keep attacking one by one. Uh, Wardlow powerbombed the guy from inside the ring onto some of the guys on the outside. Um, he had a clothesline into a pin, and then there's a submission at the same time. So yep. that was a couple of eliminations there. There's a spine buster on a couple of guys. Uh, he stacked four more to pin them. Uh, powerbomb on four guys in a row. Uh, stack three more for the pinfall. Um, so that brings him to like nine. Uh, Wardlow hit a close on the Spinebuster power bomb. Stack four more for thirteen. Uh, three more power bombs. Three more guys. Uh, kept running right into him one by one. Yes. One guy jumped off the top, caught him, power bombed him, pinned the rest to get the win. Blah blah. Yeah. Uh... He stacked them a bunch of times, and then after the match, um, he grabs Sterling, who's gonna beat him up. Lambert and Sky were in a skybox running Wardlow. Um, he pissed them off. A former UFC champs, Matt Hughes and Tyrone Woodley. What? Those are people. Right. Uh, we're that's... at ringside. Um, Hughes has health issues, the older guys, so he wasn't moving well. I guess that's why they didn't do anything. Yes. Dean Lambert won them again. The ring table award. Don't say award. Those said they're hardworking guys like him. They shouldn't take orders from Lambert. And they just basically sent Sterling into a powerbomb, and that ended it. Yeah, I, I mean... So the match was definitely something different, right? But, I mean, you knew exactly what it was going to be. So I got kind of got bored with it pretty quickly. And we noticed, like, he's pinning, he's stacking these people up, but half of them are on their stomach when he stacks them. And the pin still counted, which was a bit ridiculous. But, I mean, AEW has done a great job building Wardlow, don't get me wrong, but they've also kind of boxed themselves in by bu- booking him so dominant. He basically he has to keep finding ways to have him look this strong right and that's going to be hard to do without sacrificing other talent along the way right so this is fine it's just 20 jobbers but at some point if they want to keep this ball rolling he has to be destroying actual professional wrestlers like i imagine now he's just going to storm his way 
um, to a convincing win for the TNT title, which we sort of predicted a few weeks ago. The aftermath was completely a nothing for me. I don't care about MMA guys coming in. I don't care if this guy is injured or has health concerns or whatever. And it's basically like Wardlow just talks to them and now they're bros and they're not going to do whatever they were there to... I don't know. I it That that was one of the biggest misses on the show really I weird. really liked. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of pointless. But this whole thing was... I mean, it started out, okay, it's funny, he's fighting 20 guys, but you know exactly what's going to happen. So I kind of got bored, but it's fine. They're trying mm-hmm. different things. Um, Yeah, it was fine. It wasn't anything great as a match. It was exactly what you'd expect, though, so it was fine for that. Main issue is when Wardlow stacked guys, some of them were on the stomach, <laughs> right. so it's like, that's a pain, Ridiculous. I guess. Yeah. Um, like, half of them had to have been eliminated illegally. Um, Post-match stuff I did not care for didn't really make sense and didn't really do anything for me. I thought Lambert's one was fine. I don't care about them though so no not at all yeah i don't know if they think that there's this maybe there is right a crossover interest between mma and professional wrestling but i don't know i i'm not interested in it at all i would way rather they fill that time with pretty much any other wrestler and not mma people but that's just us but then we move into like a from a not so great kind of boring match to kind of the opposite of that right yes um we i remember seeing like the day before so randomly advertised Dax Harwood versus Will Ospreay of New Japan. Yeah, I was pretty excited for this. Not that I'm a huge Ospreay fan, but I ca- he's undeniably oh, this, awesome. This should have been the so. This should have been the US title match at Forbidden Door, not Orange Cassidy. Yeah, I'm not thrilled with Cassidy. Like, like it could be good, but like I'm I'm just, just we haven't seen him in months and now he just like, oh, by the way, he's here and getting a title shot against a should, major should talent been, from another company. Dax should have gotten a rematch or something. Right. Or wait to have this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Exactly. Um, yeah, so you, you already had another fire match here. Yes. Um, I thought this show, in not to spoil my overall, but in ring, this show was pretty strong, mm-hmm. I thought. There's some crazy hard corner chops by Dax. Crazy. Uh, There's a bit of an apron battle. Osprey got the better of it by tripping Dax at the apron, and then a shotgun drop kicks ending him in the stairs. Dax got a hamstring move from Osprey and then hit five German suplexes yes. in a row, um, like hanging on. Uh, there's a stiff form exchange in the corner with Osprey top the turnbuckles. Dax knocks him off with the chop. They go up top. Osprey counts an avalanche back suplex into a crossbody for two. Dax countered that pin into another pin for two count of his own. There's a dying forearm from the top rope to the back of the head by Osprey for two. Um, after a bit of a back and forth, Dax nails the slingshot Liger bomb for near fall, which and is pretty cool. the crowd is super into it at mm-hmm. that point, right? That looked mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, strike exchange, Dax uh, gets that the better that with a big lariat. Uh, there's a high side of power bomb for, by Osprey for two. Then he hits an Oz cutter for another two count. And then he picks up the one with that hidden blade elbow. Yep. Um, that was pretty, that's pretty cool. And then after the match, the United Empire come in there kind of cornering Dax. Cash, Wheeler, and Rapongi Vice attack them, but are get overwhelmed again and orange cassie makes his return stands off with osprey until um osprey ducks out when rapongi vice and ftr back up cassie with united empire having been sent out of the ring already right uh i thought this match was pretty amazing and built off of a really simple story right you've got a heel from another company facing a baby face who's kind of like defending his own company i thought as weird as it is to say, because this is Will Ospreay, I thought Dax came across as the star in this match, and that's saying something, right? Um, everything he does looks so impactful and intense right now. He is one of my absolute favorite wrestlers in the world, and we talked about it at the time. If I were to, halfway, just over halfway through the year, start talking about my wrestlers of the year, he would be on my short list, right? Some of the tag matches, the singles matches this guy has had, 
Um, his ability on the microphone is really, really good. He is a fantastic talent. The only thing he doesn't have is the look, right? He's not a huge muscle-bound guy, but everything else, he's amazing. I thought this match was awesome, and I appreciated Excalibur actually giving us some background information on Osprey as the sort of near the beginning of this match. Right, yeah, I remember Because that. I've been complaining a little bit, right? Like, I used to follow New Japan. I've sort of lapsed in it. They can't just assume that everybody knows who all of these people are and what level they're at and what they've been doing, right? We need some color. We need somebody to fill in. And I thought they were actually doing that for Osprey, so I appreciate it. We already talked about it. Cassidy Osprey doesn't do much for me. Cass uh, Cassidy's been non-existent, right, for quite a while. And now the matchup feels kind of random and cold to me, whereas it's Will Osprey. There's a million matchups I would want to see, and they've chosen one I don't really want to see now. That just sets it up to over-deliver, which is one of my favorite things when that happens. But on its on the surface, I'm not really that excited mm -hmm. about it. But I love this match. Um, I thought it was great. Another great uh, TV match. I'm not sure where I stand with Osprey. I think he's good. I'm not sure how much I like him. But I think he's like... He's I like him in good, uh, matches. For yeah. sure. I'm thinking he looked good here, though. I like the way he does that back of the head he heel kick or the super kick or whatever. Like, he kind of like hooks around. I don't know how to... It looks really interesting. Yep. Like it's, it's unique. I mean, that's cool was like, um, I like his cutter. Like, um, sometimes he hits the hidden blade really well. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think it looks okay here, but sometimes it looks better. I wish, um, I saw that Stormbreaker move that he does. I don't know if he still does it, which I kind of think is funny because he's like Aussie or whatever. And Thor's weapon is Stormbreaker. Right. And Chris Hemsworth is, I think, Aussie or something or New Zealand. I, I just know. think considering what um, all the stuff Osprey can do, the hidden blade's kind of like a basic thing. Like this guy can do I like it, but ricochet like, style yeah. stuff, right? Um, I wish he did the Stormbreaker because that's cool. It's like he lifts, lifts him up on like his shoulder, like Rochambeau kind right. of deal, and then twists him into a neckbreaker. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's in two K, I think. Um, or I don't, cause I don't know if he still does that. Or the Robinson special, which is like he kind of comes from the corner and there's like a, it's like a really cool spinny kick thing. Like that's what he should do because right. it's like that's like a thing he could do. I know that's cool. Um, I thought Dax had another great performance as well, continuing to prove he's pretty phenomenal. He is. Um, Union feet comes out looking really good. I'd say they both did. Um, yeah, match sure. is fine. I think we have a forbidden door match. Someone may have predicted. Nope, because Orange Cassidy. <laughs> I forgot he existed. To be honest, for I also part. forgot he existed. I'm not to say like I. I mean, I'm not a huge Orange Ca Orange Cassidy fan, but I don't dislike him either. But right. just hasn't been around. Um, yeah, I don't remember the last time he was around either. Me either. Um, next we get a Mox on Hashi package. Um, it was mostly just Mox talking. Uh, Mox, uh, said. Uh, in the package, he was talking about how he's been get big game hunting New Japan stars. Last guy he's been looking for is Tanahashi. Um, there's also talking heads from New Japan commentary, Kevin Kelly, Jim Ross, and others. Mox said he's been um, after Tanahashi for three years, and he says he's the best wrestler on the planet Earth, and he's the forbidden door. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was solid. It was a quick package, but it was well done. I like because it explained the issues with Tanahashi and Moxmore, and I think it's it would be kind of helpful for people who don't know, which I think should be yes. a goal. Like, I think it kind of provides some backstory. And it's fairly simple, too. Like, Mox is just, like, hunting the best in New Japan, and I think that works. But, again, just fleshing out a bit of backstory for people, I think, is, uh, it is. helpful. I think they could have gone a step further yeah. and given me specific evidence, because he claims he's been chasing Tanahashi for three years. I would have liked I some evidence of that. I do remember something happening, but I don't remember. Right, so I, I do like that they are giving us some backstory. I just would suggest they could have done even more, possibly. Yeah, um, and like Tanahashi doesn't really, didn't speak, right? And no. he doesn't um, speak later either, so no. it's kind of like, it's I definitely... I think the English is an issue, it. probably. 
Yes, Mox is carrying it. You are mm-hmm. 100% right. Um, and so we go right into a face-to-face segment between them in the ring. Um, and it's basically Mox promo. Uh, Mox says Plus a been, million other things. <laughs> Mox has been chasing Tanahashi for a long time. And finally here he is. He says he chased him across Japan uh, and across the Pacific. And he wrestled Kenta in an empty warehouse. All the work in New Japan from day one has been about Tanahashi. There are a lot of titles and tournaments. But there's one man they call it Ace. And that's Tanahashi. But not for long. He says... Tanahashi deserves his respect, and he's an inspiration. They call him Ace, but not for long, because Mox says he's the best pro wrestler on this planet. There's a lot more on the line than the interim title. Everything is on the line for him. Everything he's worked for for the last three years, and everything is on the line because he plays for keeps. When the dust settles, Tanahashi will call him Ace. Jazz interrupts, because that makes sense. Right, uh, that's what I mean. Like, there's a lot going on here. Jericho uh, is with Guevara and Conti, um, and Jericho says the only reason Mox is staying there is because he wasn't around last week in the battle royal and stuff and it's his shot and he doesn't and if he doesn't beat it uh for mocks you know he might burn his eye and says spiking it because he's a wizard which i thought was funny because double reference there that line i don't know it's stupid but it gets me every time when he says because i'm a wizard it makes me chuckle I'm and it's funny because also remember when he spiked mocks and mocks was eye patching oh right yes. yeah it's a double reference there yeah um tanahashi gets his one line saying telling jericho to shut up Mm-hmm. Um, Jericho tells Jazz to get him so Jazz beat him up and then Lance Archer and El Desperado also attack or just Desperado I don't know um, Jericho introduces Guevara and Conti as the latest members of Jazz uh, Jericho also introduces Suzuki Goon members Archer and Desperado says that they are on loan from Suzuki who's teaming with him and Guevara against Yuta the sure. Japanese guy and Andy Kingston <laughs> at Forbidden Door because this is NXT 2.0 where we book our own matches apparently randomly. and just throw um, everything at this Kingston segment Kingston and Powerful run out to clear that the heels Mox and Tanahashi finish them off and have a standoff because like yeah too much going on for me here uh, especially after you just had a Moxley Tanahashi package not that it was huge then you go right into Mox in the ring I thought Mox spoke really well he always does but again it's just kind of like generalities right i've been chasing you for three years etc 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 really and like just the dramatics of what this all means and stuff feels a little bit out of left field he's never made any reference to this guy before and now within a week it's like the most important thing he's ever done kind of thing so i don't know this then jericho ends up hijacking things for i don't know what reason and uses this to introduce conti and Guevara, and then you get a giant brawl and then you get more people and more introductions this was just them trying to accomplish too much in one segment for me i just kind of got overwhelmed and i wasn't super into it which is rare for a mock segment like just too much stuff in one segment for me i actually i really like the mocks promo because i thought he made it pretty oh, he delivered he a, great. a grudge against hashi for those who know i thought it was a pretty good one passionate um i think it was really smart to have him do all the talking too carrying the segment with Tanahashi only one line for sure directed at Jericho I think it does kind of fall apart with all the jazz stuff like I don't know why this had to be involved agree. here like I think that could have just been its own thing agree or like you set it up in some other form like I think did it have the, to be now right here right, right now I think yes. the Mox promo was fantastic I liked it a lot but I think it kind of gets detracted by the fact that we had all this nonsense after I think it was if it was just a promo then you have them stand off after that's fine and dandy i did not need all the other stuff because i really like the promo and then i just kind of like it also sets up an odd match i don't know why suzuki would want a team with like just on loan for no reason and why is 
like really of, out of all the people in New Japan, you pick Minoru Suzuki to team with a sports entertainment faction. Right. Yeah, you're Minoru right. Suzuki, the, like the least sports entertainment, like the most realistic shooter. Right. Like, yeah, you're right. That'd be like putting Ishii with them. Like, or it oh, seems wait, it'd be like putting like Ishii with best friends, huh? It seems like the builds are kind of like not super thought out, and they're just kind of. I think the stuff United together. Empire one is fine. But, yeah. Um. Or the. But like the Osprey one. and Orange Cassidy, what? Right, yeah. Okay. If it was if it was Osprey versus like Trent Beretta, that's yeah. different because I think I, I that's what I said. I it should be Osprey Trent Beretta if, since they just did Dax. Like that's fine and dandy. Give them give us Osprey Trent Beretta. Or they probably don't something. think Beretta's at that level. They think oh, Cassidy's a notch or two above Beretta. But anyways, I would in terms of like popularity, well, it's Trent Beretta, okay, legitimacy. Anyways, yeah, I, I don't know, just like. Just have him face Dax in a two or three falls match or something. Cool. Something. Yeah. Something not Orange Cassidy. Because like, when they announced um, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, I was super hyped. And as the time is passing, I'm kind of less and less hyped, which is not how things are supposed to go, right? Like, so and far, maybe they're... it'll just blow me out of the water when we yeah. get there. But I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it. But So far, I'd also like for them to have more matches. Actually, I did kind of forget about it for a second, but I think most excited for... Um... Actually, if... It depends on, because I'm not sure what the situation with the IWGP title is, but like if it pans out, I'd probably be most excited for Hangman Jay White. I think I it's going to be, I think we're going to get triple threat. That's cool. what, Hangman I, I would Jay White, be most excited for that. Which sweet. I would love that. Um, But yeah. as it stands, I'm most excited for the Atlantic title one, because yep. that, that looks pretty good. That should be awesome too. Um, Which we'll speak more on in we a little will. bit. Um, you call first, me Moron? Pardon? Yeah, you're a moron. <laughs> I'm not uh, saying you're wrong. I just don't think you can tell me to my face. That's uh, rude. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> I'm very, I'll, very I'll, smart. I'll my mom it. says I'm very smart. Oh. Okay. My mom says I'm smart, so, so <laughs> yeah, there. True. She and does say that. Rumor has it you like my mom. Yeah, she's all right. I think mm. she, she can stay. Ah, interesting. <laughs> uh, next we get a Darby Allen Redragon promo package. Darby says they took out the one person in AW that is family to him. That is sad. The um, one person, just one. Just why is that to be Sting? Did, uncle Sting? No. Uh, well, I guess yeah, because Darby's uncle died or whatever. But like, what yes. is Darby missing a grandpa too? Like he's got nobody. He's an orphan. He's all alone, <laughs> other than Sting taking him under his Imagine wing. Imagine the only person you have as family is Sting. Amazing. What a loser. <laughs> Aw. Uh, Kyler Riley says his mind keeps going back to the sound of Sting's ankle cracking. Probably not the only thing in Sting that cracks. Um. Darby says he will do the same to Kyle O'Reilly. Um, and Fish says he better get his makeup done just right. He'll not be happy with the way it turns out. Darby says he'll do the same thing to Bobby. So he's going to do it to both of them. But Bobby Fish first. He's the gatekeeper to Kyle O'Reilly, I think, is what's happening here. I thought this was a the cool, gatekeeper. quick little video segment. Each guy kind of looked good and adds a bit of interest to what could be a cool match. Like, Remember when Fish first got to AEW, right? I love the way. Oh, yes. Bobby Fish was awesome. And he wasn't actually. even winning. No, but he, he looked. He was amazing. kind of pulling a bit of a Dax Harwood thing before right. Dax Harwood was Dax Harwooding. He was just fantastic, and so it seems like O'Reilly's the focus right now of those two, right? Obviously, and I don't think that's a wrong decision. Um, we just need to get like more. We need to get more Red Dragons. I think, like in theory, these guys should be like because I think they. It's it's funny. Like I think they did great with Fish on his own, and then they've done pretty good with o'reilly doing right. solo stuff they just need to kind of combine the two i mean them now that we have new tag champs right they, they should be maybe angling oh for that, i forgot about that um but so i don't think there's any way fish wins a match against darby allen but it no. could be really good especially if they let 
fish work his like technical style and then you've got the daredevil right and the high flyers yeah if, if there was something more interesting on rampage i think i also said like if like there's something more interesting also on the show i would watch it but yeah. i don't think i'll catch this match because like it's interesting sure but it's not gonna draw me to rampage necessarily no i may check it out because i try to get around to rampage most weeks right. but we'll see i'm not like hard pressed to find it nope. if you I know what i mean yep um it was solid. I think everyone spoke well. I think it's very sad that Darby considers staying family because just that is what a fall from grace from winter 2020. Yeah. Um, I like this mini feed though. Um, something, uh, not like above Darby, like something for Darby to do, something for Redragon to do. Um, yep. I could see them maybe like if whatever the next uh, TV special is, maybe we go Red Dragon versus Young Bucks, depending could, on how long this lasts. I could see that getting to that somehow, right? That'd or be sweet. All out. I'll I'll talk more about the Bucks later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Darby versus Fish would be a good match. Unfortunately, it's on Rampage. Like I said, I don't unless like there's something more interesting, which there wasn't. I no. won't likely catch it. Um, that's just kind of how it goes with Rampage. Like I don't. It's just it's not convenient and that's no. kind of part of like it's it's not appointment viewing for us it depends on the card if the card catches our attention we'll watch it right right I even think. though every time i watch it i enjoy it and it's a really really fast hour it just it's not part of my routine I, yeah at this point it's not it's not and routine. we are very routine like, people i can't push myself to watch it right. unless like i'm actually interested in watching it right um so next we get a tony storm interview she spoke about facing baker later which will be soon Yep. Uh, Storm said that she's going to take the women's division where it should be in, but we what we want to see is Tony Storm as world champion. No. Uh, she's growing on me, I told you. Yeah, she is. I'm, I'll talk more about that later as well, but I, I still don't want to see her as champion. I don't, I don't think that really works. But I thought she did a pretty good job in this promo. She sounded way more energetic and confident than she has. There was a couple where I was like, man, it feels like she's just not interested and kind of phoning it in sort of thing. Um. At least she's a fresh contender, right? And she's looked pretty good lately. And then at this point in the show, I was wondering, does she actually get a, a win over Britt Baker? Because Britt's been pretty well protected, right? So I was wondering if they were actually going to follow through with it. And I guess we'll find out shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, next, we go to uh, Ethan Page versus Miro, which is an Atlantic title qualifier. And I think next week we'll have the last one, which is Penta and Black. And then we'll see who's coming in from New Japan as well. Right. I don't know, like, I don't know if you can think of any off the top of your head, but who would you want to come in from New Japan like for this? It feels like just because at that level, maybe like someone like Sonata, Sonata, yeah. who I who I like, and I think he's cool because I don't think it's going to be any like super main eventers, right? It's going to be somebody sort of down the card, so he might be a possibility. And where's um, what's his name? Shingo Takagi. He's still him. around. He was in a. I he think was champion uh, for like Dominion. a little bit, right? Yeah, like, I think at Dominion he was in one of the tag matches involved. Mm-hmm. Could be him. Or, um, I don't know. I take someone from Bullet Club. Um, yeah. I don't know if like because there is Chris U.S. Bay. flag on the title, so like or I don't know like El Phantasmo. Yeah, ELP um, is awesome. He's cool. Yeah, I'd like to see him. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. He looked kind of interesting. He's at about that right level too. Yeah, because it's a mid card belt, sense. right? So yep. you, you got to think mid card. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Like honestly, if Osprey didn't have the U.S. title already, I'd throw him in there. But he's probably he's too occupied. big a deal. And yeah, he has a mid card. He also came out. I forgot to mention. Mention he came out with the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Title, which is a UK promotion right. that I think works with New Japan or has before. Yeah, because I know I know he's a mainstay there. But anyways, uh, Ethan Page, Miro, Canada versus Bulgaria. <laughs> right. Air quotes. Um. So Page keeps ducking out of the ring in the early going when Miro tries to go for him. Um, then Miro has Paige on the apron over the rope. He kind of does like the chest clubs like Seamus always does, kind of that kind of thing. Right. 
um, until Paige gets a counter and Miro follows him out of the ring, gets shoved into the steps a couple times. Heel tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a diving shoulder tackle one point by Ethan Page only for one count, which I find offensive because that move won G1 Climax 1992, <laughs> okay? Who hit it? Uh, Masahiro Chono beat Rick Rude. Nice. And won, also won the vacant NWA title, which was the big gold belt. Loved Rick Rude. Time. Rick Rude was yeah. one of my faves. And that was a single elimination G1, so right. not, not the, the round blocks. robin. Yeah, because... Mm-hmm. In the 90s, they kind of like flop back and forth. They didn't really have like a, a set thing until I think like around 2000s or something. Yeah. Because mm. um, I watched videos. You did. Um, Apparently. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I really like the recount because um, it's like they did. They had a YouTube series where they, they recount stuff. Like there's a series for Bullet Club, which has like five, I think, mm-hmm. five episodes. And then they're like usually like they're not usually longer than 10 minutes. And then there's the uh, Chaos one, which is Okada's faction. Yes. And Nakamura. Mm-hmm. And then there's the two parts of the G1 uh, one. And there's, and I don't know, I like that. I wish they would update because the Bullet Club one stops at when Jay White first takes over, which right. that was, what, 2018? Like, I, I wish they were updated because I, I, I like them a lot and it's informative for. Make your me. own. <laughs> Be the one that puts that out, content out there. Yes. I like it because it's very informative. Yeah, that's cool. You're um, learning New Japan stuff. An expert yes. on that now, too. Yes, or at least certain areas, right. yes. Um, there's a high belly-to-belly suplex by Miro. That, like, he really landed high. pretty high. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yep. And there's a second one as well. Um, then the finish comes when he hits the Moshka kick and submits Page with the game over to qualify for that match. Yeah, um, I thought Miro looked great here. Really aggressive, really, like, intense. And the crowd responded really well, which begs the question, is he a babyface now? Miro? Yeah. See, that's the thing. I thought this match was a little odd because they're both heels. I feel like just Miro is kind of popular, so they just kind of like had Paige work heel because I think that works better. Um, yep. Or he's a I tweener, like, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like Miro will kind of revert back. So I don't. Because there were signs for Miro. There were people cheering for Miro. I think Pete Miro just is recognizably awesome. He is pretty awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I thought like Paige played his role really well, too. He's the heel that gets a bit of offense before kind of his heel tactics backfired on him, right? Because he was like taunting Miro at one point and then Miro started firing up right that's when right before the suplexes came so I wish there was more for Paige because I think he's really good but at this point this is the role he's in and he did a really good job here I thought Miro looked really strong he picked up a win um and I'd like I say I find I say this a lot when I listen back but this match was what it needed to be right Mm -hmm. I think yeah that's fair so it's not like it's a five-star match but it's a good match in the middle of a show where you're trying to make one guy look strong and i thought that mm-hmm. was successful yeah i thought it was solid not really a baby face here but i think they, they worked the dynamics the best they could um i thought page looked solid here got a decent amount before he had to get killed by miro and miro looked dominant again which is should be the goal and that worked uh wouldn't make sense already looking interesting come for bindor with just pack and miro like i think that's a good pair right there and then i didn't mean to rhyme and then you also have pento or malachi black which either those i'm okay with right um, that will be cool. Me too. Leo. That should be a fun match. Mm-hmm. And next we get a Dante Martin promo package, which is always a little bit scary because it's Dante Martin speaking. Yes. <laughs> so I'm always a little bit nervous. Um, he says he'll face Mox on Rampage, and everyone says it will be a potential win for him. I don't know who's saying that. They're kind of stupid. Um, he's sick of being labeled as having potential. When stars like Mox go down, it'll be guys like him that rise up, and he is inhuman. And uh, Matt Seidel also said something, but I chose not to listen to Matt Seidel. It's, um... And I, like, well, gee, do you wonder, I wonder what his new nickname is, huh? Couldn't right. quite make it out. That it's was like, the um, debut here. What was it? Remember when they kept saying Undisputed Elite in that one promo? I was like, oh, what's their name? Right. I don't know. 
Um, aside from the nickname, I don't really love. Um, I thought it was a fine promo. I thought Martin sounded better than Side Al. I thought Side Al was the worst part of this, actually. It's um, I like the what they like they wrote for him or what he decided yeah, to good. say. His delivery was the best I can say is less bad than usual because he's really bad normally. But this was he just doesn't seem comfortable doing anything other than wrestling right at this point, and that's fine. He can get better because he's super young. And I find the pairing with Seidel doesn't help. Like you're saying, Seidel is not good at talking either. So I really wish, like, I really wish that Leo Rush had stayed because, A, they were an awesome tag team. Remember that one? I forget. There's like two matches. It was them against. Probably Team Tat. No. And then Leo can speak. Oh, was it the acclaimed? It was the acclaimed. I think it was the acclaimed was one of them. And then Leo can speak for Dante because Leo's awesome on the mic too. I just wish. I don't know why they didn't keep Leo Rush. I don't either. Leo Rush is sick. But I thought this, like, again, he, he's not good on the mic, but what he said made sense. So I was fine with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. Just like, I don't, where's, um, what's, uh, what's his brother's name? Um, oh, my God. Darius? No, not Darius. Oh, Mike Seidel. Oh, oh that brother. Seidel, Sorry, Seidel's yeah. brother. Yeah, I don't know, because I know Darius is injured. Um, yes. I don't know where the other Seidel went is Me what either. I mean. Um, yeah. Um, anyways, next we get, uh, Britt Baker versus Tony Storm, uh, and we do. women's match of the week. It is. That got seven minutes and a commercial break. So we get four minutes, basically. But Frustration. Working despite of it. Yeah. I, yeah. I liked in, it. In spite of it. Sorry. Um, there was a diving cross by a storm for two. Uh, at one point, a hater trip storm dragged her out of the ring. She kind of hit pretty nice, actually. Yes. Um, Rhea was distracting the ref on the other side of the ring to allow that to happen. Thunder Rosa came down, chased hater away. Um, there's a really nasty hip attack by Storm. Amazing, like the way Baker's head just like whiplash. And then off she that. sold the hell of it. Like I actually believe, like the ref is really checking on her because she looks like she sustained a head injury. There, yes, right? some really good selling. Yes, uh, it like she absolutely collided with her. Yep. Um. Oh, that'd be pretty funny. It's like a a way to like get protection with that is like if someone did that with uh implants, <laughs> like it'd be protection or would that hurt more. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Never had it. <laughs> if Rick, imagine Rikishi did that with the speed of Tony Storm. Right. Yeah, it looked amazing. Yeah. It's a very basic move. I know you don't love it, but that one looked no, incredible. No, I didn't like it. This was good, I'll admit, but she, because she did really bad in NXT. Like, it just didn't look yeah. good. And I remember she would do like multiple times too. So it's just like, it might be just, like, up boom. to the opponent, right? Like, really lay it in. Yeah, Go Baker, ahead. Baker took it like a champ. Yep. Um, There's a Fisherman Neckbreaker by Baker for two. Again, I'm not trying to rhyme. Um, Storm wins with the new Storm Zero, which is that like a a sh- short s- pile driver. Yeah, really fast. I like it. Pile driver. Uh, so so I like this match quite a bit. It felt like a real fight at times. They started it with like really stiff forearm and elbow elbow strikes. They both came across really aggressive. Um, I think it was more of a showcase for Storm. She picks up a pretty convincing right, like a clean quality win against an opponent who's been pretty well protected. And Tony Storm is starting to impress me in recent weeks um, after being pretty underwhelming when she debuted and being very underwhelming in NXT for sure. So it looks like um, we're going face versus face mutual respect match right between Rosa and Storm that could actually be pretty good if this is the version of Tony Storm we're getting. And actually depending which version of both because I find both Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm at this point I would say hit and miss right so yeah if it's a hit they're both hitting then it'll be a really good match but there's a chance one or that, both 
is not on that evening, right? It's the best way to describe, I think. They're not my, consistent. That's my best way to describe my new opinion with Tony Storm is hit she's miss. too hit or miss. Right. Which is why I don't love her, but I did find myself disliking her less because I thought she got pretty good showing here. I think the hits are more often than the misses right now, so I'm pretty happy with her. Mm -hmm. And it's a fresh face, and I always say it, and you're like, how? But... She looks like a star to me. When she makes her entrance that, in the I, gear, in the... When she had her NXT entrance, sure. And the hair and the way she struts down to the ring. I think she has a star quality for mm. sure. Um, Baker didn't get much, took a beating. Looked good in what she got. Um, I thought some Storm's offense hit pretty great. Rosa versus Storm isn't something I'm particularly looking forward to, but we'll see. Pretty Surprisingly hit her, we clean hit win, right, for yeah, Storm? Yeah, Very, Very surprising. straightforward. Yep. Um, and like you said, seven minutes. <laughs> yep, seven minutes minus three for commercials. Yep. Uh, next, we got Stokely Hathaway interview. He says Cargill is issued a TBS Open Challenge for Rampage on TNT. It makes yeah. total sense. Uh, yeah. Willow Nightingale comes in. I thought that's pretty funny. Hathaway's all excited, thinking she wants to be a baddie. Yes. And says, your look would be perfect. And, and she says Hathaway must not remember her, and she's trying to prove herself and accept the Open Challenge. Hathaway says that's crazy and purposely mis messes up her name as he walks off. Um, I actually like this quite a bit. I thought Hathaway is a... Yeah, I think he's great. I think he sounds he natural. He's I, re I really like him. And I, I actually was, I thought it was pretty funny when he thought like she was just coming you're, to be a baddie. You're like, a black woman. Clearly, you're coming to join our group, right? Yeah, is sort I, of I what thought, he was I thought saying. that was pretty funny. Um, could be solid challenge for Gar Cargill. I don't know. Not gonna watch it. I, uh, I like Willow. So in ring, and she, she's her character is like she's super bubbly and positive all the time. At least whenever I've seen her anywhere else. So I, yeah, I thought Stokely Hathaway's awesome. I'm always gonna say the same thing. He's great. His delivery is awesome. And I thought Willow did a pretty good job here. A little bit much, maybe, with the delivery, possibly. But um, it was a fine way to set up a quick. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she's getting killed by Cargill. But hopefully she gets a bit of a showing. Because Willow's pretty good, actually. And mm -hmm. she's just different, right? She's yeah. got a different size and a different sort of character work. So, yeah, I was fine with this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, next, we get Hangman Page Speaks, which is a segment of three chunks, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. Three people. Um, he says it was forbidden to around the corner. He says he wanted a match with Okada. He says he didn't just want Okada. He wanted the IWGP title. Um, he says, I like saying IWGP. That's fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> and he didn't take into account. Uh, he may not still be tainted by forbidden door. And Okada lost the title to JY at Dominion. He sure did. Uh, yeah, we watched that. Actually. We did watch that. Mm -hmm. um, but he says the sentiment has not changed. and The challenge still stands. Adam Cole cuts him off and says he really is a stupid cowboy. He says a huge congratulations to Jay White. And he says... Hangman will not challenge for the title for Bandor. If anyone will challenge, it'll be him. Because it's his buddy, right? So it is his. He's getting to the good. front of the line. He thinks. Yes. He says for Bandor is about unspeed air, unspeed elite. Whoops. Yes. How dare you? Or I could say you're off the podcast. We're looking for a new co-host. People, air. send your applications. Unspeed <laughs> <laughs> air and young bucks. Yep. Um. And uh, Bullet Club. Best way to showcase it is him versus Jake White. He says Okada won't even be there. He says, there is someone who's here tonight who wants to say hello. White's music hits and cool motions to the tunnel, but, oh, surprise, White pops up from behind, hits a Blade Runner to Hangman. Um, he says he has Switchblade, the catalyst of pro wrestling. He's the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. IWGP. Uh, he asks Hangman uh, what makes him think he calls the shots. He couldn't beat CM Punk. Boom, roasted. True. And he says their singles record is 2-0 for Jay White. I did, not know, I did not know that, so that is, that is interesting. Uh, he says if he's putting on the title online, it won't be against Hangman. Cole is all happy, but then White's like, "It won't be you either, fool." And this is the Switchblade era. He did not say that exactly. That was my phrasing. Yeah, um, I think all three of these guys are really cool and can do everything when it comes to professional wrestling. Right, the talking, everything. 
Um, I love Jay White in this role. He's just dismissing everybody and doing whatever he wants because that's the level he's at and sees himself at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so cool to see. I love his character work because early on he wasn't super great, right? Like he's one of these guys that's really developed and turned into something. He's so comfortable now playing this like super arrogant heel character. He's really good at it. Uh, the nitpick this segment, Cole doesn't look coming great coming out of this, right? Because he kind of looks like you're a lesser status than Switchblade, who basically is going to tell you how it is, even though you're sort of the leader of a heel faction. He's like the well, super leader sort of thing. I can't. Well, and, right? and to be fair, White's also holding the top title of a company, and yes. Cole only has an own heart belt. Uh, and Cole's facial expressions were great I in that moment. Just right? Cole. What am I doing? Um, and Cole can always recover, right? It doesn't. He can do yes, anything. Cole's so. a genius if this leads to a triple threat with these three i am super I would fine with that love that because yep. these are my three of my favorite it would be guys awesome. on in a pay-per-view with like 20 minutes or 25 minutes that'll be a would, burn burner this would get me excited for the pay-per-view yep, for me sure too. um yeah because I, I don't know i love cole he's always been one of my favorites i jay white's probably my favorite guy from new japan he's super interesting to me right now i don't know why i just always i took a liking to him he was just kind of cool ever he since i saw cool. him like he just He's one of those guys where he just looks interesting, and I think he's definitely gotten better now. Like hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I do. He's I do an like all-round superstar now. Yes, I, I really like that Okada match. Um, and we also watched their first match actually. Remember? Yep. Um, for the review the one week. Um, That's right. Also, I, I love Hangman. Hangman's great. I, I wish he was still champion, but um, I'm, I'm kind of okay with him not having the title because that would kind of prevent this match. So. Right. I agree. So I'm um, not getting for, this. for that reason. I'm okay with it. Yep. Um, so I like the hangman promo. I thought that was pretty good. I like the cold promo as well. And so it's white. So generally I like that. Um, I do think like, like you said, it kind of leaves us at a odd place because we're not sure where it's going. It doesn't really set up anything. Cause like, or it does set up. It doesn't really accomplish anything. Cause we don't know. Right. What's gonna, Cause white, white doesn't going, seem to want to defend against either of them. Right. It's neither of you. And we'll figure it out later. Kind Which of I thing. think is odd. Cause if he's defending the title, when he won like an easy match, like do one with his pal Cole, unless he's like. I thought maybe, like, what if he's been using Cole to, like, kind of get to EW? Because it's kind of, like, a big stage, I guess, yep. like, in America. So maybe he's kind of, like, using Cole to, like... Could be. ...get more spotlight, I guess, or something like that. Um, Either um they'll prime up a new challenger, which I don't think is likely, because they have, like, we have, like, a week or so left. Yeah, it seems like they're really waiting to the last minute to get this card finalized, right? Yes. A little bit. Which maybe builds excitement. I don't know. I don't know. Or white cold ascension makes it so it's a triple threat. Um, maybe management forces white to do it, whether it's Tony Khan that that sets that or not. Um, but I I think we do need to get a triple threat. I think that's that's very interesting. And honestly, I do prefer this to Hangman Okada. I think the fact that all three of these guys were in this segment it sort of leads me to believe that will be what we're getting. Right. right. You're not gonna. You're not gonna like throw Cole in there and then like bait and switch stuff. So they're not gonna like tease that even and then like not give it to us, right? right? Generally, I think like maybe Okada's a or I'm better wrestler, but I find Jay White more interesting. I like him better. And then also, I feel like even if it was one on one, the dynamic with Switchblade and Hangman is better because Switchblade's just like he's a great heel. Like I think I feel like if it was Hangman Okada, it'd be a good match. But I feel like it would lack a little less personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like just from a story perspective i think jay white works better and also i was surprised he actually won so that was i was a little was too. happy yeah um and i still wish they didn't have that belt i wish they had the old belt yeah me too i, like I prefer better. it me too also jay white has now held both versions he's held the That's iwgp correct. heavyweight title and the world heavyweight title that is the distinction between the two the one is the world heavyweight title. i think they'll 
him and Okada now have had both versions because Okada definitely had the first version because Okada. Yep. Um. Wait. Okay. Wait. If Tanahashi's their Cena, what's Okada? Mm. Is he there? Orton. Or I don't know. Roman Reigns. Yeah. No? Maybe. Um. Maybe Orton or like a not a Triple H. Triple H is kind of his own thing. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett was a Triple H in uh, TNA. Yeah. TNA. Yeah, he was. Um. I don't know. Yeah, I'd say like Orton's fair. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Another one. I was like, he's better than Orton. I no, do too, but I, I don't know who else to say. Well, it depends if you're going prime Orton. I don't, I don't know. Anyways, main, main event, event time. time. Oh, <gasps> are we related? Are we? Maybe. That would make sense. That's what they say. That's what I, they tell me. I've heard that too. Mm-hmm. Um, Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express in a ladder match. For the AW World Tag Team Just the two teams? I thought this was a triple threat match. I thought so, what too. Happened? But I guess it's not, and that's how it always was. People be driving drunk. Yeah. You know? People be driving. Um, this versus wearing white. That's pretty epic. My first note is that this feels like a proper main event, which I appreciate, because there's been the odd dynamite, right, where I'm like... I enjoyed right, like the last match, week, but it's not it? a main event. It was Mox O'Reilly. I really liked right. that, but it didn't quite feel main event to me, even though I really liked it. So in terms of star power, this one sort of this t- one, checks and, the yeah, boxes for me. The stipulation is definitely there, too, right? right? Like I think it's definitely fitting. Um, we start off with that Escalera arm, or Escalera Hurricane Rana by Jungle Boy with the hand clutch to Nick, who's kind of on a ladder, so it's kind of from the ladder. There's some pretty fluid tag offense by Jurassic Express ending in a diving elbow sidewalk slam. I thought that was really nice. I I like that they had they had a decent little flurry there. Um, there's a sister hurricane from ringside by Jungle Boy from the apron to put Matt through a table at ringside. That the table broke pretty interestingly, and his butt took uh, the brunt of the blow there. Um, Jungle Boy uh went for the same move on on the other side of the apron. Um, on Nick on the other side of the ring. Um, but. Nick caught it and powerbombed him through a table. And then Nick uh, put Luchasaurus through another table at ringside with a top rope 450 splash, which was pretty risky, but he, he nailed it. He nailed it pretty good. It, it was, was a cool sequence for sure. It was pretty awesome. I thought that was sick. Uh, Jungle Boy got the better of the box by making Nick kick Matt. Not trying to rhyme. And then super kicking Nick, but then goes for a spring where Moonsaw eats a double midair super kick. Then Luchasaurus goes on a tear with a flurry. Uh, diving elbow drop to the outside to put Luchasaurus through a table on my mat, which I thought looked pretty awesome. So many tables. <laughs> Almost as if it's not just a ladder match. Yeah, mm-hmm. funny. It's weird. What were they What were they going for? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Luchasaurus climbs the ladder. The Bucks push over. He goes through the classic four stack tables. Hit um, that perfectly, too. Yes, that looked awesome. Yep. Um, and they hit a BT trigger to Jungle Boy, climb the ladder, grab the belts. They win, so Bucks are two-time champs now. Uh, Christian Doc Samson help with Jungle Boy a uh, ring, but then Cage hit him with a kill switch and a concerto. So the heel turn is complete. In the worst kept secret heel turn ever, right? They've been teasing that forever, which is fine. I don't mind a slow burn, but it was like ridiculously slow burn. But I don't know, man. Aw- awesome car crash of a match, kind of as expected, right? The sheer pace that these guys worked and the number of spots by all four of them, super impressive stuff. Um, I also agree with the, having the title change hands here. I've I've said it a lot, right? I've enjoyed pretty much all of Jurassic Express's in-ring work, but none of their like storylines or segments or promos have been memorable to me at all. Yeah. The only thing memorable is that like it's clear Christian's going to turn on <laughs> right. Jungle Boy, right? But like, that's, that's not the... even like you can't tie that down to one segment either. No. Um. So I just don't think they were elevating the belts, and the belts weren't elevating them. So in my opinion, it's time to move on from them being champions. Not that they're not a good team, and they have really great matches. 
And again, the Christian turn's been a long time coming. We'll see where that goes, I guess. But Christian, I don't think you can deny he needed a fresh coat of paint because he's been kind of doing nothing for months at this point. So overall, excellent ladder match. Lots of good spots, no real botches, and they did a lot, right? And everything looked pretty clean in the way it was supposed to. Really entertaining main event to cap off what I thought was a really strong episode of Dynamite. And it's funny because... You were talking about how this was it felt more like a TLC match minus a bit of the C, but I guess Christian brought the chairs in at the end, right, for the concerto. Uh, yeah, I was like, does that count or is that like after the match? And I felt like they were dancing around it lot last week because they didn't want to say TLC because it's a WWE thing, but they I also were like... it's a d- WWE trademark. Because they almost bait and switched when they were like the matches that we made famous and then they go, a ladder match. And I was like, what? To be fair, I guess Hardy's and Edge and Christian did make a ladder they match. Did a lot they, of did ladder. The, they did the first. They did a lot. Triangle ladder match right. and the triangle ladder match and so but I, I don't think they made the ladder no, match I don't, famous. They made they made TLC famous, but right. I so think it uh, works well enough. Super cool match. Really enjoyed it. Totally fine with the Bucks being tag champs. What'd mm-hmm. you think? Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought the Bucks are kind of they they kind of harken back to the Hardys with their ladder match mastery. Um, hope let's hope they don't drive like the Hardys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm happy the Hardys were taken out because I thought this was great. Probably better without them, if I'm being honest. And they're supposed to win the titles, which is my literal nightmare. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, we had a lot of table spots, but it looked really good. And there's some good flurries or sequences, too. Like, the action didn't feel like it ever stopped for Never. too long. Never. Um, and the spots were awesome. Uh, I guess since the title change was planned anyways, it makes sense the Bucks could won. It still sets the cage turn emotion, which I think is the goal. Yes. Um, Which we saw coming, but I'm interested to have the explains most. Because I don't really understand, like, what that where that will be coming from, but we'll see. Christian's gonna have to explain it, yes. right? Hopefully. Um, while it's not my favorite thing, we already have, um, because we already have two-time tag champs. I think the Bucks are undoubtedly fantastic. I can't see this title lasting longer than All Out. That's kind of like my, that's kind of the longest foreseeable point. I see they get like a couple months out of it. They drop them next. They they already reign for a while, right? So yes. I don't see a lot lasting past like, and you can get like another big payoff, even though they dropped the titles at All Out last year. So I think it's kind of funny, but still, um, uh, maybe. We have a baby face FTR face them because FT- yes, that's the, that's two time champs again. But FTR didn't get a long run. Remember they they what they beat Omega and Hangman at All Out 2020, mm-hmm. which would have been like late August, maybe early September. Then they lost under the Bucks at Full Gear 2020, which was like November. So that was like a couple months. And now FTR is ho- are hot as hell, super hot. Um, I think give them a longer run. That'd be cool. I pray to God that is not the Hardys because like. My fear is that the Bucks are just transitioning to when the Hardys can win the tag titles, and that is just you want to know the story. You want to know the storyline there. Like Jeff, he got another DUI. He cannot be holding a title. Like so, they're gonna they're gonna bring back Jeff Hardy, and the storyline will be that it was the Young Bucks that got him drunk that night (laughs) because they wanted to get him out of that match, so they had a better chance to win. Oh, that would be hilarious. And there's your. Blurring the lines between reality and the storyline, and you get your no. Please don't. That Just let Jeff so Hardy go away and get help. Maybe he ends up in jail. I don't know. How I many DUIs can you get he did before you that, go to like, jail? Yeah, honestly, like, I don't know. He cannot win the title. Like they can't. They have to have enough sense to not do that. I hope so. They. they you, I'm joking. I don't think that will happen. You can't but. have him win the title. You can't. No. All right. Yeah. You, you can't do it. Tony Khan, we know you're listening. And he got it yes <laughs> yes <laughs> for sure and he got another dui right before you're supposed to win this match so that kind of proves my point why you kind of shouldn't you can't book title. him to win stuff no he's not reliable mm-hmm. right nope exactly 
uh, thoughts on the show? A uh, really strong episode of Dynamite, especially in ring. I would suggest that we got five at least good matches. Dax Osprey and the main event I thought were awesome. I really liked the women's match. I thought Miro Ethan Page for what it needed to be was really successful as well. And even the opener of Ortiz Jericho was good and over-delivered. So that's like a lot of really good wrestling on a two-hour show. So I can't complain about that. Segment-wise, I liked Hangman White Cole segment, but wasn't a huge fan of the Moxie, Tanahashi, Jazz, everybody else segment. And then all of the other segments were kind of short and at least harmless to good. So I would say, like, largely based on the strength of the matches on this show, I think Dynamite earned a really solid A this week. I really enjoyed this show. Just like, I really, the only match that wasn't fun, wasn't great for me, was the Wardlow. And that was just a spectacle, right? That was almost more like a segment. I don't think that was going to be anything. Right, it's more like a segment than a match. So I had a great time watching this episode packed with really good matches so i gave it an a if a couple of the segments were blow away it would have been an a plus so it doesn't quite get to that level for me but a really good episode of dynamite this week what about you mm-hmm. yeah i thought it was a great show i, I think the opener did over deliver um i'm just looking back at it um so yeah the opener over delivered um the only misfire was the plaintiff thing but the, again that i don't i don't think it was ever going to be more than it was and it wasn't super long it so. wasn't bad so no it was like four minutes or something yeah um thought hardwood osprey was awesome that was my match of the night um, probably it's tough that the main know. event i close. i'd put the ladder match a little above it i think fair um i think page mirror was pretty good the women's match delivered for what what they got which i think still they should have gotten more but making the most of what they had for mm-hmm. sure and i thought the main event was awesome T- super main event worthy especially because this was also a it was road rager right we forgot to mention yes it, it was a special episode. was a special show um so and then i really liked the hangman segment with white and cole i liked half of the mock segment where sure. he was kind of the promo yep um so that was kind of a mixed bag um and then the promo after the word thing was fine and i think generally it was a really good show so yeah i think i'd go with an a2 it's a really strong show I definitely recommend uh, seeking out the main event and the Osprey Hartwood match. And, and then maybe even check out the opener if you got spare time. Right. And to, to say that we're telling people to go out of their way to watch two matches on a show, yeah. that's a pretty solid show. And then I'd say if you have spare show. time, check out the women's match and the yeah. opener. And if you want, watch Miro. Yeah, really good show. I'm really happy to get back into the A range with yeah, that. Yeah, solid A. So let's shift gears a little bit and take a detour into the world of trivia in our segment we call Off the Top of His Head. All right, so I'm going to continue with the beautiful Kidaddle, and I've already previewed, and there are some amazing questions here. Um, there's, <laughs> We'll get to them, I guess. So where do we leave off? We're going to ask you, who was the first? Do you want me to read it as written? We'll do that yes. first. Who was the first unanimous WWE champion? What? I think what they mean is unanimous. Like undisputed. Uh, who was it? Um, Are you acting like you don't know? What do you mean? Like Jericho? Yeah. yeah it's so, like, how do you not know that? Uh, it depends. He beat The Rock and Austin in the same night, man. It's a, he's the greatest yep. wrestler of all time. Uh, okay. Which season of NXT saw the debut of Daniel Bryan? First one. Correct. All right. So far, we're doing well. How many WWE, I mean, I think they're saying F and all of them, championships were won by Hulk Hogan? Six. Correct. So far, very solid quiz. Nothing wrong so far. Who was Mark Henry's first official match against? Jerry Lawler. Why do you know that? I don't. uh, That's a good question. (laughs) That's just a ridiculous thing to know. (laughs) But good for you. Um, So here's where the (laughs) question. Here's one of my favorite questions. 
Which superstar was never part of the Ministry of Darkness? Okay. And there's only one answer. What? <laughs> what? So I'll, right, I'll rephrase the question. Which superstar was surprisingly never part of the Ministry of Darkness considering his relationship to Undertaker? Kane? Correct. Like, so they just said which super... You could list a million, right? There's in, almost okay. infinite superstars well, not um, in. Um, like just the Ministry, right? So you like, like Hornswoggle. <laughs> Correct. You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could have said anything. Or like you know, Deborah, D'Lo Brown, Jeff Jarrett. Um, no, Kane Sable. is the right answer. You're wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Kane. Uh Bob in, Holly. In which year did the famous Ric Flair, not the infamous one, the famous one, retire from the WWE? Two thousand eight. Correct. And he wrestled for don't, TNA. Right. Don't know why you know that either, but uh because uh, WrestleMania twenty four was two thousand eight. Um two K showcase mode or just knowing oh, basic that makes sense then. things. How many times did Jeff Jarrett win the Intercontinental title? Five. Close. Four. The other way. Six. Correct. Okay, here's another great one. What? <laughs> Who did Mr. Fuji never manage? Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Let me I'm think. thinking of one um, specific person. <laughs> Sid. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Think bigger. Randy Savage. Think bigger. Bret Hart. Physically Mabel, bigger. Mabel. Moe. <laughs> Sir Moe. I mean, um, uh, think, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Think the biggest person. John Gonzalez, no, Andre not. the Giant. There you go. King Kong Bundy. All of those answers are wrong. Big show. Except for Andre the Giant, according to Kadaddle. <laughs> I could just go on. Um, <laughs> Brutus Beefcake. At what age did Brock Lesnar... Oh, I'll read it as written. At what age did Brock Lesnar won his first WWE title? <laughs> At what age? That's so slightly wrong. Yeah, I know. It's great. Uh, 24. Close. 23. No. 25. Correct. Damn. Oh, Randy Orton was 24. My bad. 25. Who was John Cena's first pay-per-view opponent? Jesus? No. Um, Carlito? No. Chavo Guerrero? Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. Correct. Very good. <laughs> Who was the first female wrestler in WWE? Or F, I guess, at that point. Never heard of this person. Fabulous Moolah? So good luck to you. Nope. What? I don't know. Mary Lillian Ellison. Who even is that? No idea. Who the hell is that? That's going to be a quick fact check right now because... (laughs) You're checking that because I don't know. I am because I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either. I don't know if that's true. Oh, that is the fabulous Moolah. That's just her real name. What? That's not fair. Right? I got it right. So I guess you were right. We'll give it to you. Um, How many championships? I'm assuming they mean world championships, but who knows? Has Kurt Angle won? Where? In just WWE. So how many times has he been, like, champion? Five. Close. Six. Correct. How many WrestleMania matches has Steve Austin had? I wouldn't count this year. Okay. Before that. Okay. Um, let me think. Unless it's up to date. We'll see. He's doing it. This is, this is great podcasting right here. I'll try and vamp. Okay. Uh, 12, Savio Vega. Yeah. 13, Bret Hart. Okay. 14, Shawn Michaels. Okay. 15, Rock. Okay. 17, Rock. Mm-hmm. 18, Scott Hall. 19, Rock. Um, so is that your final answer? Oh, seven. Seven is correct. Very yeah. good. And you knew them all specifically. That's Plus, what this segment's all about. Kevin Owens this year. Correct. Um, what number of SummerSlam matches won by Shawn Michaels? Another interesting <laughs> phrasing. 
So how many SummerSlam matches had Shawn Michaels won? There Seven. You no. Six. Nine. What? What year did Goldust make his debut? 95. Why do you know that? You're I right. Was, uh, I don't What's know. wrong with you? I don't specifically <laughs> know why I know that. It's just kind of one of those things I have heard many times. At which venue did the first WrestleMania take place? Was it Madison Square Garden? Correct. Yeah, of course it was. Um, here's a wow. That's a hard one. You might know it. Who were the three important guest referees at Cyber Sunday 2008? What? Oh, you don't know this. You don't know anything. You wow. say you know wrestling. Steve Austin. Correct. Because it's always Steve Austin. Two more at that similar level of star. I'll say that. Rock. McFoley. No. Um, one we were just talking about. Andre the Giant. Comparing him to Okada. Oh. Randall Keith. Correct. And? John Cena. No. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Yep. Which superstar's entry music quotes are, (laughs) there's verbatim from this quiz, they broke the mold when they made me? Dolph Ziggler. Correct. Uh, Which former member of the Shield is the only one to have won the Intercontinental Championship? Is that true? They've all held it. Right. Ambrose held it three times. That's the right answer. Nope. Times. The right answer is Dean Ambrose, according to this. So <laughs> and stop right there. Reigns held it once. I can I remember one too. Which superstar was the first to hold the Divas Championship in 2008? Shell McCool. Correct. All right. We'll do one more. Uh, which superstar believes, quote, I'm not the biggest. <clears throat> Sorry. Sounded like Kermit the Frog there for a second. <laughs> I'm not the biggest. I'm not the strongest. But I, damn, I am damn sure the toughest. Rey Mysterio? No. Small, yeah. small guy. I would consider him the best wrestler in the world right now. Pack? No. Right Pac. company. Harwood? No. Who have I loved everything he's done in AEW since he got there? Andrade? No. Murphy? No. Murphy? Small guy. Um, My God, Daniel Bryan. Oh. How will I do? <laughs> Bryan Danielson. Daniel Bryanson. <laughs> that guy. All right, you want to end off on one you know for sure? <laughs> sure. Which WWE Hall of Famer has the lengthiest women's championship reign? Talia's Moolah. Wait, what's her real name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, do you I forget forgot. already? So yes. do I. I'm scrolling back up right now to find it. Cause I don't... <laughs> Where or is it? Mary Lillian Ellison. All right. right. That, that, yeah, that person. So listen, we're only up to uh, in the kidaddle. We've still got more <laughs> questions. So I say we roll this back next week because it's yes, pretty fun. for sure. Um, actually, do you know how many days her supremacy, her reign lasted? Isn't like 28 years So that's something? The, so how many days? I didn't say years. Days. Uh, I don't know. 10,170. Jesus, that is ridiculous. So I will make a note that we went up to questions. I don't know how that even happens. Like There's just nobody else around, I guess. But anyways, um, let's switch gears back into talking about a weekly wrestling show, and that will be our look at this week's NXT UK. So NXT UK starts out with commentary just welcoming us to the show basically basically and then we move directly into Tiger Tiger Turan's entrance and the opening it's weird. match they call him Tiger Turan and then the announcers is Tiger Turan Turan yeah Tiger Turan taking on Josh Morell in our opener he's Morell's like a young athletic jobber we've seen at least once or twice um Yeah so I do recognize the name We get holds and counters to start I think partly to show off um 
the ability of these guys sort of at technical abilities, but it also allows commentary to like fully recap the Turan Kenny Williams feud for us as they're sort of grappling here. Uh, Turan eventually gets the advantage with a suplex, corner splash, and a high cross body, and things kind of grind to a halt, right? Uh, the referee yeah, stops Turan uh, from following up with any offense, and he throws up the dreaded X, and Morel, it turns out, can't Multiple continue. Times. Yeah, and this match is over. So we tried to see what it... Yeah, we went back a couple times and... Because really, there was only that little flurry delivered by Turan, and I think it looked like maybe the crossbody... At body... first, I didn't think the crossbody hit enough for him to get knocked out. I think it just loopy, slammed I his think it head did. off the mat, right? Looks I think like it did, yeah. That's my best guess. Um, yeah, you kind of notice it more when you... Um when you uh rewatch it and as we were watching it i just was saying that morel looked really athletic and showed some serious potential and then this happened out of nowhere and it was over so i'm guessing a head injury and i hope that this guy is all right um so what we did end up getting i thought was a match that was sort of shaping up to be a solid enhancement match like this guy is athletic and quick and actually knows some counters and some mat wrestling so i think there's potential in morel but obviously this match got cut off short so it's hard to say i don't know what you thought about it but it was an average like Jobber match until the finish, which is unfortunate because they kind of did cut it off, but it was okay. Yep. Uh, then we get, uh, Bla- God, I gapped on her first name for a second there. Blair Davenport, right? I'm correct. Uh huh. <laughs> nice. She is putting everyone on notice. She I kind tells- of forgot she just destroyed her leg. Right. Bad. That looked bad too. Uh, she tells us bad things are going to happen. She wants everyone to fear her. And we find out that she will be returning soon. And I'm actually kind of glad she's coming back. The women's division definitely needs a boost right now. And I was starting to like Davenport. Right, yeah. And her and last a couple stint. of promos are saying, like, oh, can we test myself in this women's division? What? Test yourself against Mako is what Against you mean. the 15 mid-card blonde jobbers that right. they have, right? And Lash Legend. And Lash Legend. Uh, so, yeah, I'm happy to see Davenport back. They need some life brought to this division. So I thought this was fine. You? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was solid. I'm, they do need someone else. Even if she doesn't go for the tower anyway, just another credible name is what we need. And then we get a barn burner of a match. It's Myla Grace, who is the Ooh, mid-card yeah. blonde um, that they're focusing uh, on this week. Mid-card blonde of choice. Right. Taking on the good old Lash legend. So early on, Myla is doing her best to counter and avoid Lash, but Lash is just too big and powerful. She takes control after picking Grace up and dropping her on the top rope. Then Grace gets caught coming off the top and Lash uh, does that thing now, I guess, where she catches her like in a body slam grip and just bashes her head up and down against the top and second rope for a second and then turns and hits a fallaway slam. So it's a somewhat impressive spot, to be honest. Um, Lash kind of does a gorilla press. It wasn't the cleanest gorilla press you'll see. Then she bends Myla Grace backwards over her knee for a little bit. And then... I just wrote, remember this? Myla Grace, it's a really sloppy sequence. It, she hit like oh, yes. three things, and each one of them was the sloppy. The and run, and then like a drop kick, and both of them were just all awful. Right, so none of it was good. Uh, and eventually the finish comes when Lash hits her running pump kick, wins this match. Uh, the match was not very good at all. I think Lash was mostly fine here. She didn't look glaringly bad. The gorilla press wasn't perfect, but the rest, like her pump kick looks fine, right? Yeah, um, it's just, I, I, don't, I don't know why. That's a finisher. But Grace did not look good here at all. She looked really inexperienced, I would guess, and looked like I even thought she looked uncomfortable running the ropes. Like she's has trouble like, and who am I to say because I've never run the ropes in my life, but it looks like she's still figuring out how many steps to take and then she's sort of looking behind her when she hits the ropes to make sure she is at the ro- You know what I mean? 
Just yes. something that looks really, really oh, inexperienced. Oh, something that shouldn't be on TV. Yeah. So not, yeah, I would agree. Not impressive. Then we get a couple announcements of people coming to NXT UK. The first I'm okay with, and the second I'm not so much. So the first, <laughs> the first is Saray. She is coming to NXT UK. She says she will debut next week and is excited about it. She's very happy to face the top talent in NXT UK. And then she talks about a Japanese woman already being at the top of the division or something along those lines. Yeah, I was kind of happy with that because I would like to see her face Mako. Yeah, I don't love that she's bringing the schoolgirl or whatever character to nxt uk but i do think bringing her makes sense a as i already said about davenport the women's division needs some help yeah. uh and 2.0 clearly has no plans for saray right so and she's been hit and miss for me too like some of her stuff looks awesome and then i feel like she's been sort of i really like her when but, she first came yes i think maybe it's the the way she's treated there kind of is demotivational right probably to work for wwe right now so hopefully over in uk she can get a maybe a fresh start but it looks like she's bringing that silly character with her but at least she's a, a a decent performer in ring and then the same can't be said it looks like we're getting brooks and jensen briggs and jensen briggs because it's brooks jensen right god <laughs> i mess that up all the time so it's briggs and yes. jensen and maybe fallon henley no i, don't I know. think she is uh they're coming to nxt uk oh as... but that's not all yeah Oh, no, but here's my note. So Briggs and Jensen and Henley are coming to NXT UK as well. And Jack and I both yelled no at the same time (laughs) as this came on the screen. And so it's like I just stopped watching 2.0. I was trying to get away from watching guys like this. It's like you quit it for nothing. And not even like Briggs is that bad, but it's just like they're I don't like the way they're presented and their character. So they're following me to UK to watch this. And they do like a standard Southern boys literally refer to themselves as Southern boys. So it's just that standard promo. And 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 that's not all. They get a tag team title shot because my note says because dot 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 question mark. (laughs) Because wrestling. Because TV. America greater than UK. So even though you're like mediocre in America, you're amazing in the UK. Yeah, this is not going to... Like, anyways, they better I want not them win. have a good they time. Like, yeah, it's just gross. Uh, then we get um, a recap of the Damon Kemp Wolfgang binge drinking segment where they somehow bonded by Damon Kemp getting super drunk and Wolfgang being able to hold his liquor. I don't know. So, America's greater than UK in wrestling, but UK dominates America in drinking, I think is the lesson we're mm-hmm. getting. Sure, makes sense, right? Yeah. We then get what is the final match of this show, but not the main event, because the main event, I guess, is a segment. Um, so it's Shaw Samuels and Noam Dar taking on Damon Kemp and Wolfgang. So on paper, this, my note is, on paper, this is a pretty lackluster main event, right? Because I love Noam Dar, um, but he's not a main event star at this point, and the other three are not at all, for mm-hmm. sure. So anyways, Kemp controls Shaw Samuels on the mat right away. And Shaw basically has to tag out at the first opportunity because he just can't hang with this amateur wrestler. Dar then uses his quickness to avoid Kemp and taunt him at the same time. Kemp eventually gets his hands on Dar and flips Dar around before delivering a deadlift gut wrench suplex. Remember, this is the spot where we're yeah, like... Yeah, Dar's just like jumping around. It like looks like holding. Dar's doing all the work here. And right, Kemp's he's just like, kind of holding like... him. It's like Dar's cartwheeling and he's assisting Holding him. him like, yeah. It's like, and I'm like, if this is Cesaro, if it, if it was Cesaro, Dar would not touch the ground. Right. If, 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 yeah, if like Kemp is muscling him up and it would be impressive, but you can see that Dar's the one doing at least 
more than half of the work here, right. right? So it's not like that impressive. We then get a leg trap overhead throw by Kemp to Dar. A distraction by Shaw then allows Dar to hit a kick to Kemp's leg and a really sweet back elbow, like the Judas effect better than Jericho does it, I find. Uh, then Dar's in control of Kemp for quite a while here in the middle of this. We get a double suplex by Kemp to shift the momentum and it sets up Wolfgang for the hot tag. We get a corner crossbody where he sort of floats over the ropes after to the apron after that I thought looks cool. Yeah, that was kind of Immediately cool. climbs up top for a double axe handle. And then what they called a drive-by senton. Um that I thought was a pretty nice flurry, actually, from Wolfgang for a man of his size. We then get a, what, Uranagi, but in closer review, you were right. It's the freak accident. No, it, they called it a spear because he was, like, yeah, running. But then it was, like, it's neither, it was really it's slow. It, it, looked, it was very reminiscent of Lars Sullivan's freak accident finisher. Correct. Uh, we then get a running boot by Dar and a pretty nice Michinoku driver by Shaw for a near fall here. And then there's some shenanigans going on and a really dopey ref who is being distracted by far too long by something he shouldn't have been distracted by. It was like Dar by. was lying in the ring and he was like, get out, get out, yeah. get out, get out. So then Kemp ends up hitting, um, he ends up alone with Shaw Samuels, hits a running power slam. Because of course he did. The most boring guy has that for his finisher. And pins Shaw Samuels. And an NXT rookie pins a veteran. So that is bleeding into UK as well. Ooh, true. Which is exactly what I want, right? Uh, so Kemp and Wolfgang shape, shake hands and strike the gallus pose with their arms crossed as Shaw decides to run back in and immediately takes another freak accident from Wolfgang. And that is the end of it. So... I thought the first half of this match was just fine. I wasn't really into it. But the final few minutes were a lot better. But the finish just felt kind of strange for some reason, right? There was It was just kind of clunky, and the ref had to be distracted by not much for far too long to set up the finishing power slam. And yeah, like I said, of course, Kemp pins a veteran talent. I thought he looked, Kemp looks decent in the ring. I'm not going to lie. I don't really love his charisma or anything at this point. But... He does know lots of suplexes and throws, and I personally am a sucker for that, so I'm okay. The, it Generally, amateur background translates pretty well for me because it means they're going to know a lot of suplexes. Um, so I thought this second half of this was good. First half was just okay. Overall, kind of an underwhelming quote-unquote main event, right? What did you think? Yeah, um, I don't know. I thought it was okay. I don't like Damon Kemp. He's just so boring and plain. And even, like, the strength spot was, like... Not really him it wasn't... doing it, yeah. Yeah, and he's just like, he doesn't have anything to him, and I just, like, I don't know why he's here. Yeah. Um, Wolfgang was fine. He's on uh, excursion, getting seasoning. It, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> like, you get more seasoning just staying in Diamond Mine, where you don't need much personality. Yep. Um, and, like, Dar was okay. Shaw was okay. I don't know. It was just okay all around. Like, it wasn't great or I anything. I think that's fair. It was all right. Yep, uh, we then get what is our final segment, and that is Trent Seven coming out to address the WWE Universe. Let me ask you, because he kind of teases like it's a retirement. Is there anybody that actually thought for a second he's actually retiring here? I don't it kind of bugged me, this whole segment. Just because I'm like, we know where it's going. You can say whatever you want. I don't think it would have made more sense for him to retire. I mean, not, not really that year retire, but I, don't, I thought the whole heel turn was kind of weird. Cause like... Yeah, so he tells us he didn't know what he would do if he lost the titles. And then, like I said, he seems to be teasing retirement, and I have, yeah, right, in brackets. He calls out Tyler Bate. Bate comes out, and Trent praises him, talks about all of the moments they've had traveling the world together. He then sort of lists a lot of their accomplishments here in NXT UK. He thanks Bate um, and the fans for being a part of the ride, and then he and Bate hug. The crowd chants, thank you, Trent, as they're supposed to. It's like they read the script and decided to follow along. So Seven hugs Trent, or sorry, hugs Bait one more time. 
sort of like from behind him. But then, shocker of all shockers, he drops down and hits a low blow and tells Tyler Bate that he never needed him. In an oddly sinister voice. He then picks up Tyler Bate and hits a burning hammer. Um, I mean, this was just like the most unsurprising thing ever. We all knew this was coming. We just didn't know how it was coming, I guess, would be the thing. I didn't find this particularly satisfying. It wasn't really creative, right? You could see it coming a mile away. Now, when Mark Henry fake retired, that was amazing because I believed it and bought in right. the salmon suit or whatever that was. The, yes. Um, so, I, I mean, like, both guys played their roles really well here. I just don't think the plan was great, right? They executed kind of a generic plan really well. I thought this was really underwhelming, especially as, like, the final segment on a show everybody knew this like i've been saying this is going to happen for how long now right and i just felt like they went with a standard option of how to execute it so i i was underwhelmed what about you um yeah I don't know. it was the promo was okay but again like it kind of you knew where it was going you just like get through all of the sappy stuff it was a we know long, you're gonna yeah. swerve we know you're gonna turn on them right. hurry up right right nobody's buying this yeah and i don't know why this would make him want a heel turn because like uh, i feel like it would they could have done more like a hangman kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's a little odd, but I, I guess like this way. It's that he's then. willing to do anything to keep the titles and bait wasn't. So that's now pushing him full heel. Right. I guess. And then that'll uh, facilitate a match. And, and maybe these two should have some pretty it. great um, matches. Yeah. I could sure. see he's stretching a trilogy or yeah, something. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, It was okay, but I don't know, a little long. Yeah. Overall, not a fan of this show at all. In ring, I don't think there was anything worth seeing. The main event was like decent, but not main event worthy then you got an injury stoppage match a bad women's match and a very obvious heel turn in a segment to end the show um i the only positives coming out of this for me i like that the women's division is getting a bit of a freshening up with davenport and saray uh, i'm not happy briggs and jensen are coming well alan henley is gonna fresh up the division right maybe that too uh and they're walking into a title shot which bothers me even more so i like did not think this was a good show. I gave it a C minus. Like it was, it could have been in a D range to be honest, because there was nothing really um, worth watching. The big segment was like you knew exactly what was going to happen. So a C minus show this week. Not impressed you? Yeah, I didn't care for any of the matches. Um, I guess Teray's coming. It's interesting. I'm I'm happy Davenport's going to be back, but I don't I don't care about Briggs and Jensen. I don't want them here. Um, the last segment was okay, but. It was kind of obvious. Um, nothing great here, so I think I'd probably go to C minus because I don't know, just like didn't really care about anything. Yeah, like if you said this was a D, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue about it, right? right. Like it passes, but not by a lot. Mm-hmm. Do better, NXT UK. Stop bringing over 2.0 people would be my suggestion, unless you want to consult with me over who you bring, and then I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you some advice. Right. But anyways, we're gonna move into our next section where we're gonna sort of talk about the surprise for our 100th episode. And that segment we like to call any other wrestling business. So before we get into the movie review that we've got planned here, I did want to touch on New Japan Dominion for maybe a minute or two. As somebody who was very into New Japan for a while but has lapsed, I took the opportunity to watch this pay-per-view hoping it would be like a re-entry point, you know what I mean? And I would be excited by it and interested and really want to get back into New Japan. But from that front, it was quite disappointing. Like there was 
some good stuff on the show, but nothing really great. Um, I ended up really enjoying the main event so much that I paused it because I, what Jay White was doing, I was so interested in that I paused it and had you come down and then I restarted the match, right? So just the idea that Jay White... Um, so right now, Japanese fans are still not allowed to vocally cheer for anything due to COVID restrictions. So it's a lot. it's pretty quiet, although Japanese fans tend to be quiet anyways, right? It's just a cultural difference the way they consume their wrestling but anyways so jay white just ran his mouth the whole time in this right like he talked to his opponent he talked to the ref he talked to the fans he talked to just the character work he was doing in the midst of this match i just absolutely loved it and it's something really different like he was aware that everything he was saying was going to get picked up really clearly on the mic so not only was it just a really good match in ring but i thought the work he was doing um, talking the whole time made it really interesting and just different. So I was a really big fan of the main event, but honestly, nothing else felt fresh to me. It was a lot of the same guys I watched years ago, um, and a, just guys kind of put into tag matches and things. So I don't know. I came out of this. I w what I wanted was I watched this and I went, man, New Japan is hot again. I need to start paying more attention. I did not feel that way. Really, really liked the main event. I think you did as well, right? You watched it with me. Yeah, I liked it. I, I don't. I just. And like it was like different. J I like Jay White. Yeah, it was yeah. different, and it's something that you could only do there. And he took advantage of it, which I think you Completely. should be doing when you have like a less than ideal scenario right there, right? And um, so I I liked it. I think the match is good. I think Jay White made it better with all the character work, and I like I'm happy he won. Yep. I think that's like good. just like as somebody right who hasn't been watching a lot of New Japan, I watch this and I understand completely what Jay White is from this match, right? right? He is that arrogant, slimy heel that just like, and he just does it so well, just like a douchebag of a heel, right? And he like was fantastic. He's, he's a lot like Cole. And also I wasn't expecting a title change, so that was a nice surprise too, right? Mm -hmm. So a really, really good main event for a very underwhelming show for the rest of it, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Okay, now we're going to move into talking about the movie. And oh God. it is wrestling related. And it is um, the 1989 classic, air quotes, uh, No Holds Barred, which is featuring Hulk Hogan. It's featuring Zeus. What other uh, WWE personalities? Ventura's in it. Um, Okerlund. Okerlund's in it. Sean, um, Finkel. Uh, the Fink and one other person too, like Ring. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. So the idea of this sort of the background was Hogan had been in Rocky, right? And had played the role of Thunderlips. And... Which is an equally great name. So this was a WWF at the time vehicle to sort of give Hulk Hogan a starring role in an action movie, if you will. Um, and the legend has it that New Line Cinema wrote this, somebody from there wrote this, I don't know who it was, and that Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan were not happy with the original script. So rumor is, I don't know how verified this is, that Hogan and Vince basically locked themselves in a hotel room for 17 hours, possibly aided by stimulants, uh, and rewrote this entire script. Um, and by the quality of the script, and even in Hogan's book, I was telling you, he does say that although they were not credited with being writers, they had to leave the original writer on the credits. Um, he says that he did write this movie. And after seeing this movie, I was telling you, like, I would want to distance myself as much from this film as humanly possible. And that just shows you, like, you know, I can't stand Hulk Hogan. He's an awful racist, he horrible sucks. human being, um, terrible actor, terrible wrestler just happened to be the right guy at the right time in the 80s, right? But anyways, so he um, claims that he wrote this masterpiece. So I don't know, we're going to get into... So we decided 
because I had forgotten, you actually reminded me, that they presented this as a pay-per-view event, right? Where you watch the movie, and then there was a cage match following it between uh, Hogan, Beefcake, taking on Zeus and Macho Man. So we're going to talk about the movie. Um, we're going to battle through that. And then we'll even talk about the match because we watched it right before we came down here. Uh, that barn burner I of don't a match. hate myself enough so to no, just do the movie. So let's talk about No Holds Barred, which let's is basically it. the idea, like quick premise before I go into painstaking detail over this masterpiece, <laughs> is that Hulk Hogan is playing himself, but they called him Rip in this instead. And he has written himself to basically be the hero and all things to all people, right? He is just the greatest human being that ever lived, pretty much. Um, and that basically his wrestling... It's like it's like wrestling and he's like Michael Jackson said, like, yes. with music. It's like he's just like, everyone loves, loves him. He's him. like, he, oh my God, it's Hulk Hogan. And he, um, so he draws huge ratings. And you're saying it's weird, right? Because like everything else in it, it's like he has the WWF title. Right, he the has, Winged Eagle. Like, and in the match, Zeus is Zeus. He had the winged eagle like, and he's not Hulk Hogan in this. And then they tried to spin off a match of this, but still, like, it would have made, anyways, much more sense to have him just be Hulk Hogan. Because he was still Hulk Hogan. Like, for all intents of purposes, he was Hulk Hogan. Right. So this is, did you just say intents of, intents of purposes? Intensive purposes? Yes, I meant. Because isn't the intent and purpose? I don't know. It's, it was not a joke from Superstore. I know. Garrett. Idea. Anyways. Um, so the idea is that Rip gets these amazing ratings and then there's an evil like the most evil t tv executive of all time of wtn right which is world television network i believe because like and they're getting generic. they're getting killed in the ratings and he needs so they've created this universe surprisingly vince and hulk hogan where wrestling is the most important thing in the world and guess what the worst thing you could possibly do is leave one network and go with the other one right <gasps> Which is Vince kind of saying, like, don't ever leave WWF anybody, because that was probably be like pre Monday Night Wars, right? So, yeah, this was Wait, in yeah, pre Monday Night Wars, yes. So, filmed before that, or pre WCW War. And so, basically, it's about this evil TV executive trying to get Rip onto his network. Um, Mr. Something to be. Uh, yes, it's coming up. I forget off the top of my head. And why? That's how Brell. Mr. Brell. Brell. And he's Brell or Borel? Brell, B R E L L. Oh, okay. And he's an actor that's been in several things. I forget his actual name. But, anyways, so the, the movie, you just stop me wherever you want. I'm going to read through it. If you want to open, I shared the document with you All so right. you can see what's coming up. And stop me to add your two cents anywhere you like. So the movie starts out oh, with. Oh, where I like. Hmm. With a, oh, and shout out to actually WrestleCrap because they did like an unbelievably extensive. Um, where they actually compared, poor fools. They actually got a hold of the original script and compared the original script in like several parts to what actually came out. Wow. So the fact that they, because this movie, I will tell you right now, it leaves out a ton of details. It's very WWE storytelling, right? Here's the beginning, here's the end. Not so much worried about the middle, right? Or any details. So I actually, it was very illuminating to see what was actually supposed to be happening from the original script to this one. So. The movie starts out with a shot of our hero basically silhouetted, silhouetted in white while growling and violently like shaking his face. So what you need to understand is what percent of the dialogue would you say is growling and like snarling? Okay. so <laughs> in, hmm. Like 90% of Zeus. 90% uh, of Zeus. Or more. To total, I'd say like 40% max. It's like People maybe like growling. half. Like there is so much like... Actually, wait. There's a lot in like when they when they go like, like when they when they yeah. go to the underground place or whatever. I forgot what it was called. Okay, so maybe like half of the dialogue is like shouting and grunting and like. It's incredible. 
Um, so we get voiceover right away from the commentators who are Jesse Ventura and Gene Okerlund just playing themselves, I think. And they're explaining that... Gene Okerlund wasn't a commentator, though. Our, right? hero, our hero... No. <laughs> our hero Rip's most recent opponent is going to be Jake Bullet, and they're just trying to talk up that this is going to be a big challenge to Rip. Um, and it seems like Rip, right? Vince already had that one name thing going on in 1989. Like, he's just Rip. Apparently, in the original script, he did have a full name, but I forget what it was. I thought he was Rip and Randy it was like at, Rip at first, Thomas but, or something. I but um, Randy was his brother. So he is going to be taking on Jake Bullet for the WWE Championship. Um, so we get that WWE brand right out of the gate here, right? So we know that they are affiliated with. It was weird. He was using a white strap, uh, winged eagle, because which... they assume this this movie is going to be huge. So they want everybody to know, yep, it's WWF approved because it is a gem of a film. Uh, so Rip then walks into the arena, the fans cheer, and they've sort of manipulated this arena to look really full. But if, if you kind of look, it's not like a very big arena, right? Like there's maybe 15, 20 rows deep. And I hate this because it, it's, it's such a movie wrestling match. Oh, yes. Well, it's, it's one of those. One, I, sorry, I was going to say one of your participants can't actually wrestle, but I would argue both of them, <laughs> neither of them can wrestle, exactly. right? So why can't you just use like someone from WWF? No, like, right. So we get a quick backstory dump here. As we learn, Rip and his younger brother, Randy, have grown, grown closer. I think this was in a voiceover since the death of their parents. So I think they needed to explain why it basically seems like Rip has custody of Randy, right? Because it's just Rip and Randy, the, the younger brother. And also, I think it was uh, WrestleCrap pointed out that this then may have been revised because they needed to explain why when Randy's hospitalized later, spoiler alert, like his parents don't come or anything, right? It's just Rip that's there in a very emotional scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, still, this like backstory was just sort of stapled onto this scene. Really yeah. like no skill. I don't even remember it. No skill at all right here. When do we watch this? What? Monday, Tuesday? Something like that. And we were Tuesday. like, because we Tuesday. planned on watching it a second time and I just nope. couldn't do it. I didn't want to. Uh, so commentary are then attempting to put over Bullet as a legitimate challenge for Rip. Who looks generic as hell. And you recognize right away who is Bullet. Oh, um, acts from Demolition. Right, so Demolition's Bill Eady. So one of the notes I got along the way here was that apparently he was asked to come up with his own character and buy his own gear to play this role. So he did not go very far. I think he just wore like black tights and had exactly. some makeup on. Exactly, he looked on. generic. Right. I don't even think like or like well, like makeup or like face paint. I like eye makeup, I oh, think. Yeah. Not so much face paint. Um, so Rip does the exact same posing and mugging as Hulk Hogan he, does. He's Hulk Hogan. He is Hulk Hogan just wearing what his signature colors blue instead of no, he wears red and yellow. No, but on, in oh, the this one, movie, I thought it was white. White mostly. Like, and let me tell you, some of Hulk Hulk Hogan's wardrobe might be the highlight of this. Like the stuff this man wears to like business meetings. Oh my meetings. god! Yes, we we will talk about that. Right. Um. So they wrestle. It's back and forth. Rip's trainer Charlie, who is an awful actor, the older black, black guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I I seen him. I He's think he terrible. was the. I'm pretty sure he was the cop in um clue he's playing the role of oh you might be right i think he he's is. basically playing him. the role of like rocky's trainer right mickey i think mm -hmm. it is it's that's, that's that, that trope essentially um so rip's trainer looks concerned at ringside in this match and so does randy who is according to the script he is how old are you guessing randy's supposed to be 25 18 what he is child he he, he looks young but I don't think he does he's that young. um so we then cut to our villain 
right there's lots of quick cuts to things here so we then get our villain played in a ridiculously over-the-top fashion right and this is mr brell he's in a large office or conference room somewhere he's watching the match on a tv screen um with who would i assume are his network executives right so he's in this office there's a whole bunch of tv screens and on the center one they're watching rip taking on bullet whatever this is um so they watch as rip is in a sleeper hold he's almost gonna but um fade out but his brother flashes the rip em hand gesture which i don't even remember what it was but it was in it a lot i forgot that's there, how memorable this film i forgot is. there even was a rip em hand gesture. there is um and so rip i i described it as ripping up because he he hulks up right because he is hulk hogan basically so he rips up hits his big boot and his bomber finisher for the win what was his finisher it wasn't the leg drop. Axe handle. Running but, axe handle. Oh, amazing. Like a pull hammer kind of deal. Devastating. Yes. Uh, it, I was like, really? So the crowd goes crazy as Jesse Ventura touts the ability of Rip and says that he can't believe Rip did it again. So we cut back to Brel's office. He repeats that line of, yes, Rip did it again. He gets mad and he's just an evil, violent man. So he throws a remote control at a plant, yells that he wants Rip. And they're, they think they're like, this is the clever of this. The jock ass. So not a jackass, he's a jockass. Get it? Why are you not laughing hysterically? <laughs> How are you not amused by this? Amazing. Well, because he's a, he's like a jock, and he's in. So it's not jackass, it's jockass. This is the writing of this film. This is a masterpiece. Um, so he wants Rip to work for his network, and he demands. Does answers. he even have a wrestling show? Like I don't know. In storms out, he's gonna. It's not wrestling. We're remember this is like where wrestling is real. So this is still like there. We're not in on the whole wrestling is fake at this point in 89. This is prevented, presented as though these are real men fighting for real, right? Right. Oh, okay, right. So then it's like, uh, just be like a fighting show. Right. It'd be right. more which like, it it'd be more like UFC, basically, which is what we're going to get. Which it's not. <laughs> so back in the ring, back to the ring now, Rip and Randy embrace each other, and the trainer, Charlie, holds up the winged eagle belt, as you pointed out, is the actual WWF belt at this time, right? With the white strap, which I don't, he ne- I know he never used. I know Warrior had like a teal strapped one, and I think Warrior had a white strapped one, but I know Hogan didn't. Right. Because Warrior always did the color strapped ones, because remember, he also did that for the Intercontinental title. Yes. So back to the WTN, where our villain, Mr. Brell, is going to get some ideas from his employees. I call them lackeys a lot as this moves on. Yeah. Well, there's at least the two. It's like Vince McMahon and Stooges in a way. So we get more of a backstory dump here as Brell tells us, because God forbid they show us anything, right? Like, just tell us, because this is a 90-minute film. Thank God. Thank God, yes. Um, so he talks about how he took over the network a few months ago, so that, I guess, is important information, and wants to take it to the top. He says when Rip wrestles, his network loses ratings. I don't know how you lose ratings, but anyways. Um, everyone is terrified to even make eye contact with him, but Brave Miz Tidings eventually steps up with an idea as the rest of the lackeys are relieved because they don't have to. It's like when the teacher in class, right, is right. and nobody makes eye contact. Right. Um Brell then continues to let us know quickly that he fired a whole bunch of people recently. In case you didn't know, he's evil. We just have to get 9 million examples of how evil this guy is, right? And that Ms. Tidings somehow survived this round of firings, almost like Vince a little bit, right? <laughs> I was going to say. And so that he, she needs to prove her worth because he actually didn't fire her. So she suggests a high-concept sitcom, and Brill immediately dismisses it. Did he hit her here? I couldn't remember. Because I know I he hits. No idea. He hits a woman later, 
But I thought, anyways, he's menacing at least. It wouldn't surprise me if he did, but I have no idea. So someone else bravely suggests another game show. Brel dismisses that before unrolling a picture of Rip just to remind us that this is the guy that draws ratings and this is the guy we need on this network, right? So he throw Brel, that is, throws some more stuff around his office, demands that his lackeys get Rip to sign with his network. So we are now aware that he's willing to do anything, <laughs> underhanded, evil, or otherwise, to get this guy on his network. So Rip, for some reason, right away, Right, He shows up in a limo at the W2N building to take a meeting, I guess, for some reason. I don't know why he would do this. Um, and because we need to learn what a great guy he is, there, he thanks the limo driver, right? So he doesn't right. forget about the little guy. He always thanks him because he is amazing. It really does feel exactly. like he wrote this for himself, yes. right? Um, and what might his attire be for a business meeting, you ask? Do you um, remember what it was? Yes. And it's do like you want to describe it? Thing, like a red and red black, and black like, spandex. spandex suit thing. And it's like, oh, so, <laughs> and he's got a bandana still. Like. And a red weight belt and his bandana on, right? Um, it's hilarious. This is what he wears to a business meeting. So he does sit down with Brell. Um, Brell has a couple of his lackeys there that are with him for most of this film going forward. One of them is clearly a fan of Rip's that to let us know, like, yes, Rip has mass appeal. Even the villains working for the other side, there's a couple fans within their ranks. Uh, Brell then tries to suck up to Rip and his like Hogan's facial expressions are awful, right? He is a terrible actor. Can we agree? He's, he was abysmal. Like nothing he does is believable. Um, Rip is not impressed by Brell's offer. Long story short, Brell eventually produces a blank check for Rip. Rip crumples it up, and this is apparently he actually did this, and the actor playing Brell was choking a bit on this. So he crumples it up and shoves it in Brell's mouth. And remember the line he delivered there that was so brilliant? Uh, I won't be around when this clears. Right. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know how that's like cool or funny or anything. It's not. Uh, so Rip, it's funny because it's not funny. Rip flashes his hand gesture, which we forget again. You try and look that up while you're sitting there, because I right. want to know what it was. Okay. Because I, I don't remember. I have no idea. So he flashes his hand, his gesture to the lackeys while growling some more. Um, so much growling in this, and he leaves. Rip gets back in the limo, but what's happened in this limo? The driver has been replaced oh, no. by an evil driver. Oh, no. And Rip notices the limo is not going the direction he wants it to go. The limo driver ignores him, and then he locks the doors, puts up all the partitions, and seals them off. So Rip is now um, taken hostage in the back of this limo, but that's not going to stop him. He starts banging on the partitions, and he's so strong that even though he's banging... <laughs> He's, I don't think this is how physics works. It's like a... He's, oh, is it? He's banging on the partitions and kicking the door, and that is making the limo swerve all over the and road. it's making somehow. like crazy dents in the door. Too. He is denting the outside of the car from kicking it from the inside. Which looked like knuckles, too. And yeah, it didn't quite look like his foot. So this is, whole scene is ridiculous. The limo gets to its destination, which is an abandoned warehouse where there are three goons waiting to take out Rip. Rip growls and explodes out of the moonroof like Rey Mysterio's entrance. Kind oh, of thing, yeah, right? yeah. Is what it looks like. 
and proceeds to obviously easily defeat all of the goons in a super pedestrian fight scene with like one at a time attackers, right? Where they wait to take him one on one and he defeats all of them easily. He grunts and growls and eventually, this is the iconic scene from this film, right? He pulls the driver out of the car, grabs him by the collar, looks like he's going to kill him. The driver is terrified and the camera pulls back and we see that he has stained pants. Rip asks what that smell is and the guy, the driver says, do you remember? Does he piss? No. Dookie. Oh. <laughs> I, knew it, I knew it sounded like And it. this is the most famous scene in this show for its awfulness. Movie. Um, so anyways, back in the red and black spandex, Rip is in another office meeting to meet his new accountant because things move really quickly and for no reason in this film. So he has a new accountant and, um, he's sort of facing away from the accountant and the accountant's name is Sam and what a swerve it's 1989 and it's an attractive woman. Oh my God. Who would have ever suspected? And her name, her full name is Samantha Moore. She will only be referred to as Sam as we carry on. So she then gets a chance to talk about Rip's branding and marketing. And Rip, like, even though he's supposed to be this amazing person, is not listening at all and just checking her out and looking her up and down for the entire time, right? It's kind of gross, but I guess it's the 80s and this is how we treated women, apparently. So she kind of catches him checking her out and directly asks him what he thinks of her ideas, but he wasn't paying attention because he was so distracted by her beauty. Um, and I guess that's why, cause remember when we were watching it earlier, suddenly there was this tension, like she didn't like him. And I was like, where did that come from? I guess, I guess it stems from this, but again, nothing's really explained. It's, it's still sudden, like for, for whatever you want to stretch it from. But then also she's angry with him and doesn't like him, but we, anyways, we'll get there. I guess I shouldn't spoil the, the, the turn here. Um, so anyways, Rip says he has somewhere to be, so he needs to leave this meeting. And Sam tells him out of the blue, she'll pick him up at eight for dinner. So they're going to have a date to talk with your attractive female accountant. So sure. As you do. Yep. Um, Rip tries to look shocked as he tells her, she tells him that the restaurant is dressy. So it's a classy restaurant they're going to. They do head to a classy French restaurant where the waiter is all snooty and rude to them and, of course, assumes that Rip is a meathead and would never eat in a place like this. And I think that's the idea, too, that Sam maybe is trying to make him uncomfortable by taking him to a restaurant that he would clearly never go to because he's a big burly wrestler. But guess what? Joke's on them because Rip is a regular at this restaurant. Because Which, and the waiter wouldn't know that? Like It's a new waiter. That's when the okay. manager comes out, right, I think, and says, like, oh, this guy's new, something like that. Because, you know, Rip is more complex and sophisticated than he appears. So can you tell, again, that Hulk Hogan wrote this part for yes, himself? Yes, absolutely. Right? Uh, the manager and the cooks sort of love Rip and come out to see him, and it looks like Sam is a little bit impressed by this and surprised by the complex nature of our hero. Just as comfortable dining fine as he is beating a man to death in the ring. That's our superhero. Um, We then head to Spike's bar, right? Where Brel and his lackeys are to look. Right, that's where it is. They're looking for the next uh, championship fighter. So this is like um, wealthy, out-of-touch white people's version of what a CD bar would be like in the States, I think, at this point. So it's like the most stereotypical, like, filthy redneck bar uh, with men fighting each other with no rules, and the waitress has like disgustingly brown teeth and whatever. And it turns out that the waitress. It's all like so, like basic. 
It was so uh, basic. Right. The server's brother is one of the ones who fights. So Brell offers the this server $100 if her brother... Do you know who her brother was? You know the guy that like was in the washroom in a later scene too? Yeah, it's Stan Hansen. <laughs> Cut to Actual Jack's... Actual Stan Hansen? Yep. Cut to Jack's shocked face. Like former... Check the credits. It's him. Actual factual Stan Correct. Hansen. Yes. Really? So he offers Stan Hansen, that, which is the server's brother, $100 if he can beat the guy who just won the previous match. So his name is Bubba. Uh, that's the brother. He does. He takes the money and he fights and he wins. As Brell loves this and his lackeys are sort of horrified by the violence they're seeing here. But Brell loves it and just sees dollar signs, I think. So then in another really weird scene, the lackeys head to the washroom of this disgusting bar. So lots of shots of like overflowing urinals and just... It was Stan Hansen. What the hell? It was. And just general filth. And in this washroom, as in many washrooms, I guess, there is a vicious dog chained up in the bathroom. Do you remember As that? As you do. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> so we get some disgusting bathroom sounds from a stall. Um, oh, first of all, the two lackeys finally decide they're actually going to go to the washroom in this. So they're peeing into one of those trough urinals. And they're talking... A la Goldbergs. Talk, right. Talking crap about the bar and the people that are in it. Then we hear a bunch of bathroom sounds from a stall. And it's Bubba who heard what they were saying. So the lackeys turn to each other in shock and end up peeing on each I other was right, in the... fear. The the coach guy was named Charlie or whatever. He was in Clue. He was, right? Uh, so Bug Bubba looks like he's going to kill both of them until he gets a look at their apparently tiny junk and then just mocks them and leaves. Amazing scene. This is Perfect. Right? Um, this is what you send in for your Oscar reel. Like you put this in there and go, listen, Academy, I deserve an Oscar for this. <laughs> wow. Brell thinks that this is the show that will get him ratings, but his lackeys disagree. So Brell makes the announcement as tough guys around the world are shown watching on TV. Cause I guess all of the tough guys just happen to be tuning into they, TV at they, this point. They watch TV. Yeah. So they learned that there is going to be the, <laughs> do you want to announce the brilliant name for his the show? Battle of the tough guys. <laughs> So this is like if you were six years old and I asked you to like, this is something you would have said as six years old. So this is grown people deciding that Battle of the Tough Guys is the name of this show. It's amazing. Right. Um, it's a new fighting show and the winner of the show, what's the prize they're going to get? $100,000. $100,000, which in the 80s, I guess, was a we're lot. battling tough guys. So then um, a bunch of people, like I'm skipping a bit here, but a bunch of people fight as part of the tough guys. Um, so this is all happening and then Zeus sort of like bursts through a wall or something explodes and something he shows like up. Um, he actually like a female production assistant approaches him and he like palms her head and then throws her out of the way. Um, as he, there's an interesting, like the violence in this goes between like pretty violent, not for kids to like cartoonish violence back and forth. Right. Cause I, I'm assuming they targeted kids for this cause it's Hulk Hogan in the I 80s, would hope so. Right. Um, but then there's some of the violence is like beyond that. Yeah, it's, 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 I don't, I don't even know what to say. So we finally meet Zeus, our, I guess, antagonist here on top of Brell. He has a shaved head and is wearing like a prison uniform. So he no sells attacks and obviously ends up winning this competition easily, mostly with clubbing blows and really nothing else. Like, first of all, this is not live, right? And you're doing wrestling matches. You could make this look right. however you want and it looks awful. Right. Right? They still chose to make it look horrid. Right. So then we cut back to Rip's house where Rip, Randy, and 
Charlie and a couple others. It's like Randy's friend, I think his name's Craig, and Craig's girlfriend are there. They're watching the fight. Charlie is in shock watching Zeus. And you know how they never really explain this? How it's like, isn't that, oh my god, I think it's, and we're like, okay, so they know who Zeus is, but we have no idea why. They never fill us in on that. So it turns out that according to the script, Charlie used to train him. What? But they never mention this. The movie just skips over so many things. Um, again, details we don't know. So they're just like, they recognize Zeus and they're afraid of him, but we never know why. And apparently that was I, the thing. I, 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 they didn't tell us that. So back in the ring, Brel goes to announce the winner of this competition, since obviously a man in his position would be on a TV show like this, like the CEO of a TV network is doing the announcing for a brawling show. Makes sense, right? As you would. Uh, but he realizes in the moment he doesn't know the winner's name. So Zeus growls out, Zeus, or whatever, right? One of the few words he actually speaks. Yes, I think he gets two lines later on, and that's it. So back to Rip staring at the TV. We cut to executives holding on to newspapers that um, have the headline of Ex-Con Zeus, Thriller or Killer. Because obviously what would happen on a wrestling TV show is front page news across the country, right? This is again Vince and Hogan going, yep, wrestling is the most important thing in the world. Every mainstream media outlet would for sure cover this show. Of course. Right? So one of Brel's lackeys points out that there's a PR problem brewing over the bad telegrams they got. Telegrams, because it's the 80s, right? So it's not like emails or tweets or anything. Uh, They got about the violence they have shown. But Brel, because he's an evil monster, dismisses it simply by saying, but they watched, didn't they? So it's all about ratings with this evil man. Then really quickly, we're in a factory, right? With sparks flying. And it turns out that Zeus is going to take on a new challenger, and his name is Lugwrench Perkins. So Zeus obviously wins this. I'm not getting into details with Mongolian chops, similar to, is it Tenzan uses those? Somebody in New Japan. Um, And that's all Zeus can do. So he has Mongolian chops, and now his new signature thing is to clank his gauntlets together, right, that are on his wrists. Clank, clank. That's his, like, taunt, I guess, because, yep, why not? Because he don't have a rip hand gesture. So Sam then talks on a car phone in a limo with a mystery person about how she will take care of things since she will now have time because they are doing an overnight. Sure. So again, we're supposed to care about this. Rip shows up with Randy, introduces his brother to Sam. So they travel by plane somewhere as Sam explains again quickly to make for convenience sake that her office arranged everything for the trip, including booking the hotel. So what could possibly go wrong there, right? And Rip this time picks out the restaurant and it's Sadie's Diner, a greasy spoon to show us that our hero is as comfortable with the regular salt of the earth people as he is with the high class people in the French restaurant. Again, Rip is all things to all people in this film, right? He can just fit in seamlessly anywhere and never ending surprises about how complicated a man he is. Uh, Sadie obviously loves Rip. And then in this scene, this is what I mean, like we get cartoonish violence, right? So armed robbers come into the diner, right? (laughs) And Rip fights them off. um, And it starts with a food fight, right? As you do. As you do. And I would suggest he causes way more damage than the robbers would have ever actually stolen, right? Like he's, yeah, it's a classic, like destroying this restaurant tables and sliding them down the bar. Yeah, he's like causing like way too much damage, like just to take out a few 
robbers. Right. Like, why couldn't he have just knocked them out without destroying the restaurant? If yeah. He's which that he, great? Yeah. He just like destroyed the whole thing, basically. But then we cut to Sam, who's starting to look a little impressed. How could you not be? Am I right? Uh, it's hard to argue with the ironclad logic. <laughs> and it's hotel time. And guess what? Oh, no. Somebody made a mistake. So Rip and Sam are going to have to stay in the same hotel room. And what else? There's only one bed. <gasps> no. The sexual tension abounds. Oh, my God. So in the hotel room, Rip is wearing, like, scandalous short shorts. Correct? It's like horrible. Red like super short running shorts basically so short. but ever the gentleman he divides the bed in half with the sheet wall that he creates as sam is in the washroom getting ready for bed and it like cuts to the cheesy like showing they're both brushing their teeth and like leaning against the door to listen to what to sort of show that they're kind of interested in each other right like super i don't awful. remember that it was bad um so sam's sort of showing that she rip may be growing on her despite a little hostility for some reason, out of nowhere, it seemed again. Um, so they get into bed, and Sam, on their separate sides, right, because he's a classy gentleman, and she wakes up to the bed shaking violently, and you're led to believe that maybe Rip is doing something inappropriate on the other side of that bed. <laughs> but instead, when she peeks over, he is doing push-ups in his underwear, like his glistening, sweaty body in, like, tiny little underwear. He has his feet up on the bed to do these push-ups, just bizarre um then a few seconds later the bed breaks right and sam falls comedically on to rip here oh the sexual tension and then there's some sort of heartfelt talk where it's like you don't need this you build bigger walls than i ever could that was hogan delivering that line to her right and it was awful like where i, I don't know man this movie is it's so stupid so if any of you decided to watch this before listening to us review it i apologize um, we get a quick cut again to Brell's office where he is berating Sam. We learn in a really clunky way that she is part of this Brell's plot. She was supposed to seduce Rip, I think. But now she kind of thinks Rip is a nice guy. And Brell says that he eats nice guys for breakfast as Sam adds. Which it makes sense. Right? And then Sam says, not without my help. Ooh, great line. Sing. I guess our period, our hero, sorry, has won the heart of this vixen, ladies and gentlemen. Was there ever any doubt? Like, how could anyone resist Rip? You know what I mean? He's just they he's could just have the a brain, total I guess. package. Like, um, and this is where Brell reacts by backhanding Sam and knocking her down. So we get some violence towards women in this movie targeted to children. Yes, excellent. And that's not the last one we'll get. So back at Rip's place, Sam confesses that she was supposed to do all of this. And I guess he quickly forgives her because they make out on the couch a little bit, right? Um, but unfortunately, the TV is on and Rip struggles to find the remote to turn it off. And in the meantime, we hear that Zeus comes on the screen and is calling out Rip in an interview on TV. And this is sort of distracts poor Rip from his romance here. Um, then quick cut again. Rip's doing a charity event with kids because he's the best, right? He is always the best. And Zeus and Brell show up in a helicopter, right? <laughs> because, yes, why wouldn't they mm -hmm. show up at a charity event, right? Um, this is so like a eight-year-old child wrote this film, honest to God. Um, Zeus asks menacing around the kids. He gets into Rip's face and they growl at each other, but Rip just won't fight Zeus. The kids are all acting like they don't understand why Rip won't fight. And Rip stares as the, basically the villains get back into their helicopter and leave. 
Sam then gets abducted by goons who seem to basically tease sexual assault in a kid's movie, um, kind of like hinting they are going to assault her sexually, I guess, for some reason. But okay, Rip is now on a motorcycle. Uh, of course. He shows up as Sam is being assaulted very conveniently here. <laughs> and so basically, he just pulls up and says, asks her if she's okay. And I'm like, probably not, because <laughs> she's being assaulted by multiple men here but she nods so rip takes off after the goons catches the main <laughs> one leave it leaves her there right and then do you want to describe how he takes out the, the goon here do you remember with I the don't. motorcycle um he kind of oh, scoops the guy he, like taps into the front and then like throws him off of it yeah he kind of scoops him up on the front of his motorcycle and then launches him into a tree with another brilliant line do you, do you remember what it was Harley and me and you and the tree. <laughs> so bad. So then he returns to Sam. So let me get this straight. So you had somebody who's basically sexually assaulting a woman because he was like on top of her in like sort of a sexual way at that point. And all he gets is thrown into a tree, right? But if you go to rob a diner, he's going to murder you. Right. So there's an, uh, the violence is sort of uneven, I find, in yes. this movie. So anyways, Randy and his friend Craig are go to watch Zeus train for some reason because nothing needs to Is make sense Is that what they here. were doing? I, yep. didn't, I didn't know why they were there. And so there's a confrontation, right? Brell ends up backhanding Craig and Zeus ends up destroying Randy. I think he does like, we don't see it, but I think the idea is that he does the neck snap thing because he later does that to rip in the match. Right. So Randy is like basically murdered here. Um, and then a furious Rip shows up once he finds out this happens at Zeus's training facility. This is a weird scene, too. He, like, trashes the place looking for Zeus, and he finally sees Zeus, but it's just a hologram being projected by Brell, who's messing with him Remember while watching. Remember there was that segment with him in Ultimate Warrior and WCW2? They did this in WCW, right. like yes. a decade later. So this is kind of what's going on here. And Rip catches on and perfectly throws a barbell like a spear through the camera, right? That um, Brell's using to watch him. Wow. This is good stuff. We then cut to a hospital as room <laughs> where Rip does some just awful crying as he oh holds his... Oh my god, it looks so bad. <laughs> like, so like contrived. It's unbelievable. So he's holding his brother's hand who's, who's unconscious and just crying and crying and crying. And I think we see that Sam is there with him now, of course, because they're a couple or whatever. Who knows? Are who they? Cares. I don't even know. It moves so quickly, it's hard to There's tell. no way to know. But Charlie opens his eyes, and I think that is going to give... Randy? Sorry, Randy opens his eyes, and that's going to give Rip the motivation he needs here. So I guess at this point, Rip has agreed to fight Zeus. Brel's getting the arena ready for the big fight, including he conveniently has his own like evil private control room overlooking everything, right? So that mm -hmm. he can sort of be there. And Zeus is training. Do you remember what Zeus was doing to train? No, but... I'm Punching sure through cinder blocks that were hanging in front of him? Right. <laughs> I remember now. Amazing. So we cut back and forth between Zeus training like an animal and Rip helping his brother through rehab. I think the idea here is like, will our hero be ready for the big fight? Like, it's kind of like the Rocky training montage where it was like, I don't think you've seen Rocky 4, I think it is, where Rocky's training like very rudimentary, like running through the mountains with a tree on his back and stuff. And then you've got Ivan Drago, like the Russian who's like sophisticated high-tech training. So this is their uh, version of that, I guess. I don't know. Right. 
it's basically Zeus is training, and because Rip is the great guy he is, he's making sure that his brother is okay. So will he be ready? <sighs> we'll find out. It's showtime, and Sam and Craig and Randy, who's in a wheelchair, are there to watch the fight. I think Craig's girlfriend's there too, but who cares? She's really a non-factor. <laughs> She's inconsequential. Charlie's back in the locker room giving Rip a pep talk, and he's assuring him that Randy will in fact be there, but I, Rip hasn't seen that his brother's there yet, which is a key detail. So Sam, Randy, and Craig get off of an elevator, but Randy and Craig get off first, and then some guards step in and stop Sam from leaving the elevator, and they take her, keep her on the elevator and take her to Brell's control room. She's held hostage there, the idea being that they will tell Rip they will not release her unless Rip, um, what did they say? They wanted the match to be 10 minutes, and then Rip would basically take a dive and lose. Right. Right? So obviously he's not super confident in Zeus at this point. But anyways, mm -hmm. that's the plan. Hold her hostage. So the match starts, and Zeus is in control with a lot of choking. Meanwhile, do you want to describe how does, um, do you remember how Sam escapes the control room? Uh, I don't, but I, because, I have a feeling it's awesome. Because this five-star match that's going on, everybody in the room, including the security guys, are like captivated by Glued the match the screen. and like cheering and getting super into right. it. And she just walks out the door behind them. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so Zeus then hits that nep snap, neck snap thing on Rip, who falls to the mat and looks like he's dead. Zeus has his foot on Rip's neck and Rip just kind of out of the corner of his eye sees sam and randy in the crowd so he knows both of them are safe so it's time for him to fight back and he does um things escalate randy falls out of a wheelchair zeus punts him um goes up the steps of the arena obviously rip follows and this whole shenanigan sort of ends with rip doing his finisher on zeus and having him fall like 20 plus feet through the air into the collapsed ring, probably killing him if it were real, I would assume, right? Um, as the audience cheers, that's not a, enough. Rip is snarling and growling, goes after Brell in his little control room. Brell is finally cornered. He's terrified and he backs up into an exposed wire, which I guess they didn't really do a good job of making. Yeah, it was really Shoddy weird. craftsmanship on that control I'm room. I'm shocked. So he gets electrocuted. So we get a, yeah. <laughs> a double murder, I guess, to end this. Uh, the crowd cheers even louder. And this double murder that he has witnessed inspires poor Randy, and he stands up under his own power. Randy gets in the ring to celebrate, and the movie just ends right there. So yeah. Um, in hindsight, was this a good idea for us to review? This movie was... no. So you have been on this earth for almost 15 years now. Your yes. birthday's coming up. Have yeah. you seen anything worse than this? I would be hard-pressed to find something worse than this. I've seen a lot of bad movies in my time, and I've watched a lot of bad crap. But this was perhaps the most top-to-bottom garbage I've ever seen. Like, it was... There's hard. There's nothing redeemable about it. It's... It's so Hulk Hogan. And not even, like, fun bad, where I'd be like, go check this out for a laugh. It's like torture like it yes i laughed at stuff in this for the wrong reason enough to enjoy myself no and like it's, it's so hulk hogan and it's so like he's the center of everything it's like it's so wwe and so like hulk, it's so everything like that you i don't like about wwe now which is right to a thousand. and it just like it moves too fast you're like missing things some things they don't mention sometimes 
they do mention things, but it's like a one-off thing that you just completely blip by. It's like they have an idea for a story, and it makes sense to them, so they just go ahead with it. Right, and, and it it's doesn't like make sense to anyone else. There's too much unintelligent grunting and shouting. There's like, it's like the villain. It makes too, wrestling out to be like really stupid and like. Brell's too over the top. Like Brell's too over the top. Everything's too over the top. Is like throwing stuff around and hitting his female employees and like hiring people to seduce just like ridiculous it's like honestly it, it's totally believable the the story of hulk hogan and vince writing this in three yeah, days no for this, sure it that is 100 percent believable because neither of these in guys, the worst way possible like just these ideas are so basic and juvenile and ridiculous and so many details are missing and it's like oh of course you know oh the accountant is a woman and she's attractive and now it's we've so got our love dated story too and, right like yeah a lot of it's really dating. It's so, and a bizarre mix awful. of like violence, violence, and then like cartoonish. Some of violence. the violence is so dumb, and then some of it's just like, what that just happened, and it's like, and oh. it's at its core, it's an action movie with not one good action scene, right? Like none yes, of the all of the action scenes are horrible. None of the matches are good. Um, the fighting off the goons from the limo scene isn't very interesting. Like it's just the most basic, generic. The the fighting off the guys. It's hardly in the even diner. wrestling in a wrestling movie either. Right. Like it's. It's an it's a it's fighting. It, it's it's like... a vessel for Hulk Hogan to present himself as he sees himself, right? As just the greatest thing ever. Everybody loves him. Everybody wants him. Everybody wants to offer him unlimited funds to do what he does because he's the best. All the ladies love him. All the men want to be him. You know, he's as comfortable in a greasy spoon as he is in fine dining. Apparently, in the the script that didn't come through in this, he's also um, a computer expert at one point. And there's a scene where he's sitting in like a, an old antique chair of um, Brells. And apparently in the original script, he's also like an antique expert and knows that the chair is in fact fake. So all of these things kind of got changed and taken out. So he was even like... For the better. He was even like more amazing than he was presented. It was oh just like, we have a nine-year-old understanding of the world and we're going to write a movie script. Yes, is really exactly. what it felt like. So I can't recommend this. This gets a hard f i can't recommend this like hard less. f yes so I, I i mean i don't know do you have anything else to say about it I'm, watch anything else yeah don't spend your time watching this i don't know we just decided to just do something a little different for our 100th episode you couldn't pay me to watch it again if anyone has feedback if maybe it was interest, i hope it was more fun listening to us talk about it than actually watching it it um, has to be so if you would like us to do any other movie reviews let us know if this was a nice divergence from what we normally do or if you just want us to stick to talking about wrestling shows we watch um, any feedback is welcome at fnswrestling at gmail.com that comes to me or fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast that's our account on instagram that jack will check out so let us know what did you think of this decision to switch it up in any other wrestling business next week we'll go back to normal and just talk about other shows that we watched but we thought we would try a movie um and it was really really bad so now we just wanted incredibly bad incredibly bad so now we wanted to quickly look at the match that followed right and you were going to take notes on that because I i did that whole disgusting recap of the movie itself so again this was december 27th 1989 based off of quote-unquote the hype of this oh and just regarding the film apparently it barely broke even like they claim it they spent about eight million dollars to make it 
and then it got about 16 million dollars but there was also other fees they had to pay so basically it how did, did it make that it much? did not make any money well because when it first came out and no reviews had come out yet right people went it was like the number two movie after um I think it was whatever the most recent uh, Raiders uh, Indiana Jones was. But then once critics got a chance to see it and people and it was panned by critics, like it's got 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, everybody knew it was garbage. So then they stopped going. So it did really well for like a week or two. And then that was it. Everyone acknowledged right. it was flaming hot garbage and nobody wanted <laughs> to watch it or pay money to watch it. So that then they thought would springboard into Zeus becoming a professional wrestler, even though he is absolutely terrible. So it sets up this match. So go ahead and tell sets us about it. Sets up this singular match. So this was the second part of the pay-per-view. It was watch the movie, now uh, watch this, this match. In the arena? I guess. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, do you, do they play it on a Tron or like? I don't know what they did. But it was... Uh, yeah, so so it's part says two here, of the pay-per-view. The event was billed, was shown on pay-per-view December 27th, consisted of the film in its entirety, followed by a match previously recorded at a wrestling challenge taping. So it was probably just like... um. Oh, okay. So they taped the match at, at a taping. Right. And then they... It was like a, everyone watched on TV as the movie and the right. match. Because in the other matches, it was Dusty Rhodes defeated Big Boss Man, Ultimate Warrior... Um, the IC champ at the time de defeated Dino Bravo. The Colossal Connection, giant under the giant Haku, defeated Demolition. Mr. Perfect defeated Ron Garvin. And then this was the main event from that non-televised show. So they took that, combined All those it with matches the movie, sound better. and put it in a pay-per-view for people. All those matches sound better. I agree. So tell us about this match. I don't think it'll take that no long. No holds barred the match, which is Hulk Hogan <laughs> and Bruce Beefcake uh, versus Macho King, Randy Savage, and... Zeus. And Beefcake is in like his Hulk Hogan inspired yeah, ring like color. for this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, his color scheme is the, mm -hmm. the yellow and red. Yeah, Hogan gets trapped out of the cage early on. Savage attacks Beefcake. Zeus is choking Beefcake because he does that a lot. That's really about slow. the greatest movie does. Yes, choking people. Uh, Hogan climbs in to clothesline Zeus. He takes that and many punches before awkwardly going down to the mat. Uh, Beefcake whips Savage into a boot from Hogan. He gets ping-ponged by shots between Hogan and Beefcake. Hogan and Beefcake try to throw Zeus into the cage, but he does it to them and then chokes Hogan on the mat slowly. And then a mediocre clothesline as Beefcake is trying to keep Savage from escaping. Uh, Zeus and Savage double clothesline Hogan and then Beefcake. Like, this is the extent. Here's the probably the biggest move is Zeus is trying to get out and a slow and shaky back suplex by Hogan keeps him in. So back right. suplex. Yeah, we got a suplex. Um, Savage wraps a chain around his fist from Sherry who opened the door and then climbed the, the wall and then climbed the wall instead of like oh, going through the door. Right. Um, wrapped the chain around his fist, went for like a diving axiom from the cage. Beefcake counter with a punch to the gut. Um, Beefcake escapes the cage while Hogan hulks up on Zeus and Beefcake takes Savage out of the cage too, which evens it out, but at least can fight him there. Hogan sends Zeus into the opposite cage walls multiple times in a body slam and three, count them, three. Ooh, that's how you know Zeus is a monster. For the pinfall win. Yeah, man, this was awful. Like, Zeus looks far less impressive, right? Like, he does not come across without the lighting and the camera angles and whatever they use in the movie. He just looks like a kind of big dude, right? Like, he's not like a monster or anything. And they keep calling him the human wrecking machine, and then he does nothing. He delivers nothing outside of like the most basic, basic offense. And they're he's in a, worse than Kali or Giant Gonzalez. And they're in a cage. So like you could have done anything and you had him do nothing. Because right. there's no rules in yes. this environment, right? So he does nothing other than like chokes and punches. And 
He just looks awful, and everybody in this kind of suffered because Hogan's terrible, Beefcake's terrible, Macho Man's amazing, Sherry's amazing, but they're not enough here to, like, do anything. Zeus just, like, they keep calling him a wrecking machine, and he just looks like a super inexperienced wrestler. Like, I don't understand. He never looked dominant or dangerous at all. Just, like, a somewhat big guy with limited skills. So no wonder this was his last match for WWF. Uh, all they could do to try and put him over was, ha like, take three leg drops. It took three of Hogan's finisher to defeat you. That's the only thing they could do with him. He was awful. This was awful. Thoughts? Yeah, it was... It, it, it was so bad. And the it funny thing is... Sorry to so interrupt bad. you, but we watched this immediately after watching the main event ladder match from Dynamite. So, like, the contrast... Oh, my God, that's right. The contrast was shocking, right? You, you had more happening in, I would suggest, the first three minutes of the dynamite match than the entire 11 minute cage match from 89 like just pales in comparison and was just a super boring plodding match between three people who can't wrestle and one that can't wrestle when the other three can't wrestle like what's he savage do? yes so yes. it was awful sorry i interrupted you your thoughts um it was not good Maybe it's because the movie was so bad i think of things differently but this probably wasn't the worst match i've seen it was really bad yeah but... Um, I don't think it's the worst match I've ever seen. And maybe that's just me thinking, oh my God, that movie's so bad. This isn't as bad as the movie. Fair and um, shorter. <laughs> it wasn't shorter. 90 minutes. But like, it was really bad. Just nothing really. No, um, it's very 80s, but even like. Super 80s. It's dumbed down even for the 80s, I would say. Consisting of mostly punches and sending someone in the cage. Like, it's, it's rudimentary even for the yes, 80s, I'd very say. very true. Like, even at the time it looks like before it's time. Yep. Um, and Zeus pretty much only did half effort clotheslines and choking someone on the mat slowly, or like, I guess like teaming with like he didn't really do anything. He's very very limited, but I think was worse in the movie. Um, Beefcake didn't have a huge part in here. Neither he nor Savage were in the movie, so I don't I don't I don't know why this was a tag match. Savage is probably the best here by default because he has wrestling ability. Not that you can really get that out. Here. No, he didn't get to showcase anything. It was bad stuff. All right, I'm done talking about that movie. We'll never speak of this again. We will never speak of this But again. we probably will. We'll bring it up at some point. But um, did we have any figuring it out this week? I didn't ask you ahead of time. A little bit, I guess. A There's little bit? one thing, I think. Well, let's uh, transition quickly into that then, what we call figuring it out with Jack. <laughs> um, the only thing we have is they revealed um, Mock and a few loose images for... AEW on match series four so the first one is like a it's like kind of a dark i think it's like a, yeah it's a gold gear uh jade cargill so she'll get her first one here nice um from rampage uh, i think eighth month august 20th uh, <laughs> last year were you just figuring out what eighth month meant yes wow so proud of you thanks um so it looks all right she's got like a weird place for her her uh waist swivel because it's like right above her belly button yeah so it's like it's her stomach's kind of cut off it looks really weird but other than that i think it looks really they would nice. probably have to do a unique build for her because she's not they did as Hold the on, kids I'll, say built different from all the other women at i'll this try point. to like pull up a thing because i don't know her her waist swivel is really weird because yeah. it's like i don't i mean she looks like an action figure in real life so she probably would turn into a pretty good action figure it's like brian cage right where i'm always like he looks like a human action figure she does as well you see what i mean like oh yeah that is weird yeah it's an odd choice i think other than that though like i think it looks great because yep. i think that the um i think it's spot on i think the um 
the mold spawn. I think the head skin's pretty good. I think generally it's pretty good, but I don't know if I'll get it because I don't really use them. Once I think I have some, but I don't really use them. Right. Um, next to CM Punk, he's got like a cloth hoodie, which is really nice because they most of the time they go for rubber. So I, I really like the complete cloth hoodie. It's a book. I think it says Larry on the front. It's got a image on the back. I'm not sure what it's from, but it's a long tights punk from All Out when he faced, um, when he faced Darby. Um, the legs are way too skinny. I'll show you actually. Um, it's like I feel like you said that about Rollins, but this is like even worse. I have said that about Rollins. Oh yeah. I think he skinny. used the Sammy Guevara legs, which I don't think works. Um, I don't love that, but I do want a punk, so maybe this is what I have to, Or there's a Trunks one that's Walmart exclusive, so we'll don't see. Don't you have a punk that Anthony gave you? Yeah, a old basic years. one. Right. Yeah. Um, next, we have Hangman Page in, like, promo gear, which is from, let's see, uh, March 4th, 2020. So that's pretty cool. It's one of the classic cowboy shirts. And um, if you look, I'll show you. It comes with, like, a bunch of drinks things oh nice yeah and like a plastic one of them's a plastic cup um he's got like the shooter hand so i think that's pretty cool i like that he has like a bunch of stuff there then we have like a long suit coat cody so um that's kind of interesting and i think it's funny because they really made it's from a double nothing press conference so they really made a figure based on a press conference for cody of course he needs wwe figure of every outfit he's ever worn yep the action figure in the line here. Right. And then we have a blood and guts MJF in the white gear, which I like. I don't like the head scan. It like is that even MJF? It's not great. Yeah, I don't like the head scan, but I really like the gear because it's white. So nice. That is the rule. White's good. And then last one is a uh, Corazon de Leon Jericho, so like a retro Jericho, back Jericho. Nice. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Cool. Um, doesn't even say where it's from. It's old. Like, doesn't show the. Gear. Yeah, I don't recognize so that's it. That's interesting. And then the chase variant. So then we have the rare variant, which is the one in three thousand. So this one's gonna be the, the hardest one to get, of course. Cody. Yeah. Gets the rarest one in a gray suit one. Mm-hmm. So that's something. And then there's a trunks version of CM Punk as the chase, which I like because it's. I think that one looks better. It's cool. And a little less skinny. Yep does look better um that is it well that's it that's going to be it for episode 100 whether you've this is your first one or you've listened to all 100 or anywhere in between we really do appreciate you taking some time out of your week to listen to us talk about wrestling the last couple episodes have actually done pretty well so thanks to everybody who's been checking us out please like share subscribe i don't know whatever else you do on those social media things please do all of that help us push this podcast out there because we do no promotion ourselves we're just kind of hobbyists down here talking wrestling every week seeing how many people want to listen to us so any support you give us very much appreciated we will be back here for episode 101 next saturday we hope to see you all back here plus a few more and until then take care